December 23rd, 2021. Merry Christmas. Hopefully everyone is having a nice week getting all prepped for the big holidays coming up. And we've had a lot of different content. Our schedule is a little out of whack throughout the holiday time because I figured let's just anytime I have uh, something that's recorded, an interview, I'm just going to send it on out. Normally I kind of set up the shows so that way each show will come out, you know, to timing wise there'll be multiple segments on each show different topics on each show always some racing but over the last week or two since there's the schedule's off the holidays i figured anytime we get something recorded let's just put it out for all of you you can listen whenever you get the opportunity throughout the holidays on this episode this will be kind of one of our more um i guess normal episodes where we're going to go through NFL Week 16 with Eric. We get into all of our NFL Week 16 game previews, wrestling with Chad Cooper, and then we're going to go Santa Anita Monday. So we're going to get you everything for Santa Anita Monday. Five, I think five best bets plays throughout the card there. So a little racing, a little NFL, and some wrestling with Chad Cooper on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow at BTV Bets on Twitter. Every single day, giving away opportunities to win money with a public prop giveaway where they'll make a wager for someone out there. If that wager hits, you keep all the money. All you have to do is follow and share some of their posts. If you want to go to the website, get a little help with your handicapping, with your gambling, it's always free. You can look at videos and um, all sorts of analysis from handicappers and gamblers all around the world. Better than dot Vegas. And one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, Cindy Carava. She currently has a Black Friday sale that will extend all the way to December 31st where she will give you savings of up to $1,500 in services. So if you're looking to move, if you're looking to sell, if you're looking to improve your home, in the next week, contact Cindy. Now, you're probably thinking, I'll do it next year in the next couple months. That's fine, but just get in touch with her right now. Get the ball rolling so that way you can take advantage of the sale that she has. You can save yourself money for some of the services, and she will help you in any way that you need. She is one of the most kind and genuine people you'll ever meet. She's going to be honest with you. She's not trying to BS you, and she's going to take the checklist and She's going to take care of all that stuff. All the stuff that you're worrying about, that's stressing you out. Let Cindy deal with that. CindyCarava.com is the website. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. We get into NFL Week 16 with Eric. Just a couple things to mention. We recorded this early on Thursday morning. Right after we recorded, we found out Dalvin Cook is in health and safety protocols. So keep an eye on him. That wasn't something that we mentioned Talking about that game, he's going to be out, and so that line is going to move and be different from where it was. And for the Saints, uh, they're going to be without Taysom Hill. They're already without Simeon. So Ian Book is going to be the starting quarterback for the Saints against the Dolphins coming up on Monday night, it looks like. And he has never taken a, a you know, he's never started the game, and I don't, I don't think he's taken a snap in the NFL. And things have changed a little bit just from the couple hours ago when we recorded that. So. Keep an eye on information for all these games now with all these teams because of all the health health and safety protocols and COVID stuff. We will have Saturday and Sunday editions of 4th and Inches to preview the Saturday games on Christmas Day and then the Sunday games on the normal Sunday slate. We jump into our previews of all those Week 16 games right here with Eric. 
the NFL Week 16. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Hope you're all having a nice holiday weekend prepped for Christmas with the families. And we've got a big week of football as we are getting down to the final few weeks of the season. Very important games for a lot of these teams that are battling for their playoff lives. We are recording this a little bit earlier than normal because of the Christmas week. So if uh, there are a few things that may change between now and Saturday or Sunday, just make sure you can always uh, – Come and watch on 4th and Inches where we'll give you up-to-date information on everything happening. And that's on uh, Twitter at BTV Bets or it's me, Gino B. Eric will be joining us there this weekend on the Saturday and the Sunday shows as we uh, we have a little Christmas Day football, Eric. And then we'll get into uh, the rest of the Sunday slate. And things are getting very, very important for some of these teams. And no no life left for many. I know we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. You know, it's... It's great. A lot of teams are dealing with issues, have it be COVID, injuries, you know. So uh, we're going to see what what strong teams survive and who can get into the tournament at the end of the season. So the first game we're going to talk about on Saturday, Christmas Day, is uh, Cleveland at Green Bay. Mentioning teams that are decimated by injuries or COVID issues, that was no doubt Cleveland. They were uh, missing right around 20 players in their last game against the Raiders. That was the game that got in the, uh, ended up getting bumped back to Monday. They had the lead with two minutes left to go in the game, and all they needed to do was just get a stop, but the Raiders were able to drive down, kick a field goal. That was with the third stringer, Nick Mullins, and that was with the Browns missing a ton of players. They they performed pretty admirably in that game there. Um, it's, you know, I mean, this is it. This is it for them I guess there's probably a, a way where they could lose this game and then win the next two and maybe get in but this is probably the whole season for Cleveland they're in the plus seven range I I I don't mind the matchup I'm just there's just so many issues with Cleveland recently that I get over a touchdown I'm probably okay with it but I I, I this is probably just a stay away for me um, well, first of all, I thought Nick Mullins played a great game. I thought he dropped some insane passes to Peoples-Jones. Oh, Peoples-Jones uh, had a couple that were brutal. Yeah, there's just some bad drops. I mean, everything by Mullins was right on the hand. I mean, I thought he did a great job. Threw the ball 30 times. Um, so I don't really, like, blame him for the loss. I thought he played good. Um, you have to figure Cleveland's going to be getting people back from the COVID list. Um, for me, the big thing comes down to – there's only going to be one starter on Green Bay's offensive line from the beginning of the season, week one. They are going to have four people out. Um, and Billy Turner, the right tackle, he's questionable. We don't even know if he's going to play. Um, Miles Garrett is going to give him a go. Miles Garrett against backup play, against second string, even some third stringers, along with Clowney. He may be coming back. Cleveland playing for their season. Um, I locked him in at plus seven and a half. I think I'm getting good value here. And the way Cleveland plays, their their game travels well. So I really I really like them here. Rodgers is a little banged up. Jones is banged up. Um, you know about the quarterback situations up. yet for them? I'm really not that worried about the quarterback, to be honest with you. Just no, because, yeah, like, yeah, it doesn't... I really feel like Garrett's going to be able to get there, disrupt Rodgers, and everything like that. Um, Mullen showed me he was confident. And if sure. Mullen gets a full practice a week, and they get, like, Willis and a couple more of their offensive linemen back, I think their offense is going to be fine. Um, I think they're just going to ride Chubb out. This is a must-win. Yep. Green Bay's got a game in hand for the division. They're kind of, quote-unquote, in the driver's seat. They can kind of afford to lose one. So, yeah, I'll, I'll lock in a team that's playing for their playing, playing for their lives. And the, I mean, this team, when you look at the Browns, 
Um, you know, you and I talk about teams that have had bad luck. This Browns team, I mean, they should have beat the Browns. Not they, the Browns, excuse me. The Chiefs at the beginning of the season. They could have 12 um, wins easily. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. So, I mean, you got to figure stuff's going to go their way. Bus win game, cold weather environment, team missing four of five offensive linemen. I'll take the team with the best defensive end in the game. I'll take the Browns plus the seven and a half. You start going through their schedule. It's like Chiefs, Chargers, uh, Pitt, Baltimore, all games they could have won. Last week, Raiders, all games that they could have. Not even like, oh, well, they might have been able to win. Like, probably should have won. Um, they were in them. So, yeah, you're right. Things will hopefully bounce their way a few times towards the end of the season to give them a little bit of an opportunity. We move on to a team with two of the top ten in uh, DVOA metrics. The Colts, or excuse me, hold on. I was looking at my, uh, are we going in the right order? Yeah, the Colts, right? Colts are the, right, the yeah. next game. Uh, that's another Saturday game. Saturday, December 25th. So we got Colts, Cardinals. The So where do you have this line at right now in some of the books you're looking, Eric? I lock it in at uh, cards at a pick. Yeah. Um, you know, I respect Jonathan Taylor. I think he's playing great. I think. You can I he can argue he's playing the best out of anyone to close the season, but um, let's not forget who the quarterback is. It's Carson Wentz. They kind of limped to the finish in that um, game last week against the against the Patriots. I kind of feel this is an all time high that we're getting this Colts team. Um, and Carson Wentz, he he's shown he's not a closer. You know, he's shown he's not the guy that is going to like close the game, step up, step on someone's throat. You look at these games that they've blown. They blew the game against the Bucks. They blew the game against the Rams at the beginning of the season. Um, game against the Titans, they blew. So, I mean, like, that's kind of what this team is. You know what I mean? Like, they can look good, but then they come back to earth with some silly mental mistakes. Um, and also, like, they really – the way the team plays defense is going to play into Murray's strength. Murray's going to be able to sit back, read. If it's not there, he's going to run. I think this is just a great – Great bounce back spot for the cards, and I think the Colts are getting a little bit overvalued after that and win. Arizona, both of these teams are the Colts are at their highest value they've ever been all year, coming off their win, and the Cardinals are at the lowest they've ever been all year. Exactly. Coming, coming off I mean, of their loss to the Lions, this just feels like a spot to to play the Cardinals right now. And you know what? If we play the Cardinals and we find out the Cardinals lose by like twenty, they might be in some trouble. Right. They just might be yeah. it, it, this happens all the time. You might just the team might just be struggling in it. Things might have gone wrong for them. And it just might be one of those things where they can't quite get back to where they were. But if there's any semblance of, of that good football team in there from earlier in the year, they're going to bounce back and, and at least come up with a really big effort here. So I'm with you. I'm on the Cardinals side and uh, where right now it's like minus one. I mean, at under a field goal, I'm okay with it. I'd want to lock it in right now. You were able to kind of get it at Pick'em. Um, so, you know, you know, just get the best Cardinals number that you can if you're on that side. Let's get to uh, Buffalo, New England. Yeah, so this was the game, the big uh, game a few weeks ago when Mac Jones only threw the ball three times, but the Patriots still beat Buffalo. And that, you know... Buffalo couldn't really stop the run that much, but that game was to me a lot more about what Buffalo was doing on offense. They were, they weren't really using Josh Allen very much. Um, he's run the ball a lot more recently. Now, this, I'm staying away from this game because I honestly could see anything happening here. I'm not very high on the Patriots overall. I, I don't think you know after their stretch of wins, I think they became sort of this buzzy, overvalued team. You've been pointing out all year long that. The Bills aren't quite as good as they may be projected or sort of perceived to be. 
And then you throw in what happened last time. I don't know if the 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 Patriots is a great matchup for the Bills, but then you have all of this. I'm sure you know built-in frustration from the Bills wanting to play well here. Plus, you have the fact that McDermott and some of the players called out Belichick. I just there's a lot happening here, Eric. I have no clue. I know this is going to be a pretty good football game. These two teams are both top five in DVOA. Buffalo is number three. New England is number five overall. Uh, Buffalo eight and six. New England nine and five. Buffalo seven, six and one against the spread. New England nine and five. Uh, Stay away from me. Any strong opinion for you? I mean, if I get a three, I'll definitely look at the build. But right now at this number, it's like two, two and a half. It's definitely a pass. Um, My buddy Brad made it interesting comment to me he really feels that the reason that the um, Bills offense is struggling is because they don't have John Brown and it goes back you need to have that guy on there where the safety has to help over the top that can blow it away even if you only throw it to him twice a game or once a game you just have to have the person that can stretch it's like it's like having a three-point a really good three-point shooter on the court in the NBA just so that way the defense respects them Yep. And, um, you know, Tim just not being there. You look, I mean, right now, who's their fastest player? Emmanuel Sanders. And that's not what he does. You know, so I, I really not Emmanuel Sanders, excuse me, Stefan Diggs. That's not what he does. So I really think even though like people view Emmanuel Sanders as a better wide receiver than John Brown, totally agree with Brett. I really think um, for what the Bills need. He's, he doesn't provide, he doesn't provide that field stretcher. Um, I also noticed against that game against Carolina Allen really wasn't running the ball. There was really no design runs. Makes me think his foot is a little bit more banged up than they really It was in that well, boot. Than yeah, than, than they're leading on. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be a pure stay away. There's no – I mean, if, if it gets over three, I'll look into it. But there's no way I'm taking the points with New England. No, no. The, this, I mean, it's going to be a good, good football game, but uh, no, no thank you for me. Let's get to your – Lions, your Lions and the Falcons. So what do we got? This one around five and a half. The Falcons are favored by here. So uh, the, the Falcons game last week, a couple, couple frustrating games for you and I that we played that we felt like maybe we were on the right side of. That Falcons game, how about this? Uh, they had the ball three times inside the 10-yard line, and all three possessions came away with zero points. They are the first team since at least 2000, which is as far back as the CBS Sports database could find, to turn the ball over on downs three times inside the opponent's 10-yard line in the same game. That's 12 times. You know what I mean? Like, that's 12 that is, times. And they and they ran another time inside the red zone. Yep, so and they, they pitched. That, and that time in the red zone, they had it was fourth and inches, and they pitched the ball seven. They pitched the ball back seven yards on fourth down. So I mean, okay. like sixteen times in the red zone. They where... ran five times from from the one yard line. Yeah, uh, yeah. five it's... plays from the one yard line and didn't score on any of those. And it's so funny, Eric, because in doing this, you know, um, like I'm a Rams fan, you're a Lions fan. When and 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 let's be like with football, um, of my fandom, like I'm I'm a huge Lakers fan, a huge Dodgers fan, a huge USC fan, and then I'm a like I root for the Rams, but for me in, in particular, the Rams weren't around most of my life. So like I wasn't mm-hmm. a Rams fan when they left. I only became a Rams fan when they came back because I didn't have a football team that I rooted for. So when they came back, I was like, oh, cool. The Rams are back. Like 
you know, I gamble a lot. I don't really have a, a an NFL team that I'm rooting for, but like I'll adopt the Rams as my team. So, but like I don't, you know, I don't like get doesn't get I don't get sick to my stomach when the Rams lose, like I might with the Lakers or the Dodgers, you know, when they lose those bad games. My whole point with this is that it's so funny with with fans of teams that like get so defensive of their teams after we'll like we'll talk about a game or I'll mention a few things on social media. Like the 49ers are the new one. I've almost gotten into it with the fans, not gotten into it, but like the fans of teams this year from Kansas City, Baltimore, New England, Arizona, Tennessee, and now and now San Francisco. Because it's like if you can't tell that your teams are getting a little bit lucky and getting the benefit of the doubt with these bounces, you know, it's gonna add it's gonna And everybody wants to get so sensitive about, well, you think our team sucks or they suck or the 49ers are good. It's like, yeah, no, I didn't say the 49ers are bad, but I'm just telling you something that just happened in their game right now. We haven't seen happen in a game in 20 years. So please don't tell me that it was some like incredible 49ers defense when Eric, if you and I were to line up with nine other guys from the one yard line five times, we would accidentally get in there once. Like, yeah, I mean, it, this isn't this is that like, wasn't a San Francisco thing, you know, and so that's what's funny because right now coming off of their two wins that they have, and we're talking a little bit about San Francisco because they played Atlanta last week, but San Francisco plays in this Thursday night game. People that are listening to this, they'll probably have heard, but win or lose tonight, they're overvalued in the Thursday game because they've got back to back weeks where they won games that they probably shouldn't have beat the Bengals, and then. Okay, maybe they beat the Falcons, but I mean, what are the odds of a team getting inside there three times and not getting even a field goal, getting zero? I just told you it hasn't happened in 20, 22 years. So at, at least that it, it might be 50 years. That's as far as their database goes. That's the whole thing. Don't get, if you're a fan of a team, kind of know who you are. I was started getting into it with a Steelers fan the other day. They're like, yeah, the Steelers are great. I'm like, you guys suck. I'm not like I'll bet on your team some weeks in the right spot, but you're not good. You don't do one thing well. Like, what do you do? You don't have a good offense. You don't have a good defense. You don't stop the run. You don't stop the pass. You don't run the ball well. You don't pass the ball. Like, what do you do well? It's just so funny. Like, I, as a fan of a team, if, if the Lakers or the Dodgers or the Rams like win a game, I'm happy they won. If they get lucky, I'm like, man, we got lucky. I don't know why people want to puff their chest out so much. There is my rant, my little tangent for today, Eric. I mean, it's just what it is. You know, like, people get really hypersensitive about their teams. People get hypersensitive when they win or they lose a bet. Um, and, I mean, that's just what gambling is. I mean, I look at it like this. Like, I should have won the Falcons bet last week. But on the flip side of that, I should have lost the Steelers bet. You know, the Steelers should – there's no way Absolutely. the Steelers should cover that game. Right. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. People get hypersensitive. And, I mean, like, it's tough. Like, I'll be honest. Um, like, I – people – come at me all the time and like half the time I just reply okay you're right just because it's not worth get it really sensitive it's with not like worth fantasy it. and sports betting and they want to know like how smart they are and I'm like look that's fine like you can say you're smart I just come on your show to try to help people make money I'm pretty good at this like I counted this money to provide for my living I've bought rental properties with this money I've won I'm doing okay but if you want to come at me and say like I'm dumb and I don't know what I'm talking about that's fine I really it, don't care it just um, whole, <laughs> you know what I mean like is that it's never like <laughs> it's never a personal thing about a team yeah. like if I dislike a team um and I want to play against them it's only it's not 
because like I don't like the players on their team or I think like it's mainly because the games that they're coming out of I just feel like oh there were two or three games in a row where they sort of got lucky everyone's going to think a little too highly of them I want to go the other way and like I mentioned that 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 team like that changes like every week almost who it is yeah you know based yeah, on the per- week, the public perception people remember the last thing they saw and I mean right now the line's kind of all over the place because golf is on the COVID list. So we really don't know if golf is going to be playing or not for the Lions. Um, you look, he is performing as one of the better quarterbacks in the league ever since Dan Campbell took over play calling responsibilities from um, Anthony Lynn. Goff, so golf is playing a lot better, um, but it's just so hard. I mean, like Lions do this week after week. They play a really good game, maybe win a game, tie a game. And then they just shit the bed the night. It's been about five that's, weeks that's, or six weeks in a row where they've done this, right? Where it's like they've gotten then, really up and then down the next week. And then you look at the Falcons. I mean, this is what the Falcons do. They play a good team tough or, and the, or like play them tough and shit a covered but don't cover it. Then they play one of the bottom tier teams and beat them by a touchdown. So, I mean, I'm not going to lay points just because um, I really feel golf's going to come off the list. And this number could twinkle down a little bit. And if that's the case, I'll get involved. Like anything about three and a half or four, even though that's a quote unquote bad number, I'd look to take the Falcons. But right now in this dead zone of like five, five and a half, this is just a pass for me. We get to the Eagles Giants. This game is up around 10 right now. We they're they're waiting to let us know who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Giants. Right. It's going to be from right. Yeah, Yeah. because they they keep saying. Glennon or Fromm, but we gotta have Fromm. And that's that's me. That's go ahead. If you're ever at an airport bar and someone tells you they're an NFL scout, those guys are the guys who are the most loose lip with information. So make sure you guys buddy up because I have like (laughs) six people I'm friends with just through meeting like in random spots, like at airports or like at different sporting events. And I still those guys will trade information from the guy that I know. From the Giants, he told me it's from. They love that I mean, validation about, a little bit. Yeah. You know? They love no. Well, I mean, like, they want, they want, they'll be like, oh, have you seen, the, oh, you know, you, you went to the, the CMU, I went to CMU Eastern Michigan. Oh, what did you think of this kid? You know what yeah. I mean? They just, so according to him, Fromm's going to play. Um, God, you know, it's just so hard to take the Giants right now. I mean, I there's stories that the like, teams kind of quit on it, on, judge and the staff and everything so i just i just can't take them is it a flat spot for the eagles yeah it's a flat spot for the eagles eagles didn't look sharp um they're definitely playing in the short week um i know that i'm gonna do it like right now i'm talking to take the giants but i just at the end of the day i just I, i just can't do it um i mean i should do it because i'm i have some liability in the market to eagles futures but um you know, the spot says take it, but I just, I just afraid they've quit on this team. They've quit on the coaching staff just because you look at these mental mistakes that they're constantly making. And he I'm gonna told give, me, I'm going to give them one more shot with, with from just hoping that he's at least a little bit more comp, like a little bit more competent to the fact that he's like you were saying, you, you pointed this out a lot of times. It's so hard to be a defense when you know that you're not getting anything from the offense. It's so hard to put that little bit of extra in when you turn the ball over four times. And he came in last week, and it is hard because I don't want to just gauge what we saw from him because he was in in a total sort of garbage time prevent situation where they're just like letting him get some chunk plays. 
but he no doubt looked just a lot more comfortable back there. Just like a lot more like of a guy throwing the ball in this situation who I'd want. So I wonder if maybe if this gets to 10 and a half, then I'm going to jump in at 10. I'm still waiting. If I can get this above the 10, I'm going to jump in and just hope that there's enough in the variable of the unknown with Fromm that he might just be able to be a little bit more okay than Glennon was. Like you said, they, I think they shut down Daniel Jones, and that's sort of like a bad vibe thing for your locker room, right? When you know that like one of your main your leader isn't coming back and one of your top players. So, you know, I'd need I'd need it to get at least above the ten where it is right now. Um, and I probably will end up getting in on the Giants, even though I don't want to. <laughs> and I mean, I'm let, like the guy I talked to, my bud. He told me that. This has been the plan for a while That everyone in the locker room knew, knew that Jones was going to be shutting down They just didn't release it So I mean that kind of explains some stuff With how mm-hmm. the team has kind of been um, It's also a lame duck coaching staff I mean because there's no way Judge stays back No there's, there's no way at all So there's a lot of mental stuff going on One um, thing to mention too Is that the Eagles will probably be without their coach I think Sirianni just tested into the protocols uh, in health Yeah and but he's, he's Is he vaccinated? Back. So, so that's something so to keep an gets, eye on. Yeah. So if he gets um, back to back positive negatives on Saturday, he can be good to go. So we'll so, find out with him by Saturday. You can uh, you'll have more information on that with with Sirianni. Let's get to uh, oh game of the week here. We got the Jags versus the Jets, and you and I started to discuss this one a little bit last week. Um, I locked in the Jags. Um, uh, right away at, at like the even and just like Jets are minus a half right now. So, um, the Jags are now going to be having a week without Meyer. Last week, the firing came down kind of late. It wasn't like normally when you see a coach get fired or in the middle of the year, it's on, it's during like a bye, and they do that for a reason. So that way. You can have a week or so to implement some new things with the coach. You can work on a few things. When it happens in the middle of a week, you're just not going to be able to change a whole lot of things. You're not going to be like, oh, tomorrow we're going to have this new practice and we're going to go through all these things. It's just your weekly schedule is so tight. I think you'll see some things different this week that will be implemented into this offense that we may not have seen last week. I think the bump that everybody was expecting last week from Urban Meyer might end up coming this week for the Jags. So for the Jags at anything, you know, like probably any number. I mean, the Jags aren't going to be favored in this spot. So there's nothing really that that bothers me um, about this number unless they were like favored by a, a field goal or something. It, look for the best Jags number out there that you can find is what I'd recommend. Because I just think, I think this is going to be the spot where we see them play much, much better. And isn't Sala someone who's also dealing with uh, health and safety protocols? Um, That's the reason for the... um line movement is there's a huge outbreak going on within the uh, Jets organization. I mean, they're going to be missing coaches. They're going to be missing players. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be missing missing some key uh, key components. Um, the main thing for me in this is you, you kind of set it with the um, with with the excuse me, with the um, the Jaguars, whole new scheme, whole new everything um, last week. And it's, it was Bevel called it. Bevel is said, hey, I'm not calling the plays. It's going to be Brian Schottenheimer who last called the plays for um, Seattle. It's kind of weird, like, how that whole coaching cycle has worked just because 
Bevel was fired in Seattle, and then Sean Hire took his spot. Sean Hire has always been a run-first coach, so I really think this is the week we're going to see James Robinson explode. Um, Jets are awful against the run. I mean, they had the Dolphins running backs, who are not good running backs, like getting seven, eight yards a pop last week against them. I really like James Robinson. I'll take a James Robinson prop, probably be about plus 220, 230, go over 100 yards rushing, and then James Robinson to have the most rushing yards for the week will probably be about 25 to 1, 27 to run. I'll put a little bit on that just because the Giants are so bad. But, I mean, with how this line has moved, I feel I lost value. That's why I'm not going to lock in the Jags. Yep, I agree. You don't want to get it. You don't want to get it at a bad number if you were able to get it at a better number. Um, that uh, that's always what you're looking for here. As uh, we get to the Bucks and the Panthers, we gonna get my boy Sammy D this week. He was I was activated last week. I gotta say, Cam is bad too, man. Cam is really bad, and I, I, I like this was the one of the, another one of these teams where. Man, the Panthers are a team that you look at. Like, I don't think they were going to beat the Bills last week, but there were a lot of things in that box score that were much, much closer than the score would suggest. If you played the Panthers, you were covering that game until the Bills, for no reason, scored a garbage touchdown late instead of kicking a field goal. They went for it on fourth. It was just absurd that they did that. It really was. It didn't make any sense. And And then, obviously, with Carolina, last week, their field goal kicker got hurt. In the warmups, and some sometimes it'll actually work as a blessing in disguise for you, Eric. Because if your kicker's not there, you get sort of forced into going for it on fourth down a little bit more often. The first two times Carolina got the ball, they would have been able to kick a field goal and couldn't. It just literally like right away. Both times they were in field goal range, and then they just didn't have a kicker, and they had to go for it on like fourth and eight in like situations that you just wouldn't have gone for it on fourth down, and. It, it was another, it was like things were just all going wrong for them. It was a little bit of a mirage game for the Bills. And then on the Bucks side, I mean, they're decimated by injuries right now. They're bringing in Le'Veon Bell. They don't have a ton of receivers right now. In a week or two, I think they might be able to get things figured, but they're not as good on the road. Carolina's defense is solid. And if you're giving me double digits, I'm absolutely taking Carolina plus 10 at home. Um, I look at it like this. Um, you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit. And I got bit ten and a half earlier, so yeah. It, it, it was um, I want. I missed the eleven. It's kind of ticked on a ten and a half. Um, I'm looking at bed stamp right now, and it's kind of like hovering in that ten, ten and a half area still. Um, Carolina has one of the better DB groups in the whole NFL. Um, the Bucks, no Godwin. He's out for the year. I'll be honest. It doesn't look like they're going to get the one seat. Evans is dealing with a hamstring. What's honestly the point of even playing him? So I don't think Evans is going to play. Uh, and then that brings me to Gronk. Um, is there one of the good ones guarding the tight end? And they also blitz a league high. I think it's like 33%. So, I mean, you factor everything in, and it's just really like just a good matchup. It's a big number. I'm not saying that they're going to win. But it's it's tough not to take the Panthers in this situation when you just look at all the Absolutely. football aspects. Absolutely. And then also you look at Brady. Brady struggled on the road. He hasn't played good on the road this year. Um, so everything points me to take the Panthers. I'll probably be on them at some point. I think a little bit more money is going to come in just because people are going to look at it and just be like, hey, I can get money here 
on Brady in a rebound spot. So I'm going to sit back. Maybe I'll tip up to it 11, but I'll definitely be on the Panthers at some point during the weekend. Yeah, once I started, I saw it creeping down. I jumped on the 10 and a half. I always like that 10 and a half, you know, just getting that extra oomph there. Um, yeah. As uh, we move along to Chargers, Texans for our next game. So, uh, you know, Davis Mills, he's he's looked competent. He's looked decent, that Mills out mm-hmm. there. Um, and I think the Chargers right now at 10 – that's probably enough for me to jump in. It's it, this is kind of like the the game we were just talking about with Tampa and with uh, with Carolina at double digits. I'm okay with taking Houston here. This is the Chargers having to travel, having to go in a spot in, in like a sleepy spot. They are coming off of much more important games with much more important games ahead of them, and this is the game on your schedule that you're just kind of not going to get as up for. I think the Chargers win this game by. You know, a touchdown. I think if you get up over the ten, you want to take the Texans here. So, looks like we're going to be getting dirty again this weekend, Eric. Well, I mean, Eckler's on the um, uh, COVID list, so I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if he's back or not back, but you have to figure if he does come back, he is going to be that line's going to tick up a little bit. So, I'm just kind of waiting back. I'm going to see if Eckler's playing. Um, the line's kind of adjusted where it's sitting as if he's not going to play. But if he does play, you'll get a little uptick, a little bit more value on Houston. Um, the issue is the Chargers really struggle defending the run. Texans, I mean, they just don't have any running backs, man. You know what I mean? They just don't have anyone that can it's legitimately. Hard. Like, Rexy, like sexy Rexy, sexy Rexy, oh. Burkhead, baby. Get ready for him. Get <laughs> I mean, like, I, w- I want to be on the Texans. I'll probably be on the Texans. You're right. Mills has looked a lot better. Um, and, yeah, I mean, him him and Mac Jones have looked the best two rookie quarterbacks, as yeah. crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to kind of sit back right now and see if I can get a little bit over the 10 that it's at right now. And if it stays at 10, I'm, I'm fine with the Texans. But I'm going to wait to see. We already went Bills Pats earlier. Let's get to Rams Vikings here. So this game is at three. Rams are a three point favorite on the road, and I'm I'm way like I'm I'm probably okay with taking three. Do you think this ever gets to three and a half? No, I, I, mean, I like I, Minnesota. I want to take. You know, I'm on the Minnesota side. I'm obviously here, so I'm I would love the three and a half. Three, I locked it in already because I'm okay with three. Um. I'm I'm curious if it floats back up to three and a half at all to get even more invested in because it just feels like a sleepy spot for the Rams. They're traveling. The Rams come off of a very big win. Um, and I think, you know, you dig into, you know, some of the Rams re- or a couple of big wins for the Rams. And then you dig into their recent game against Seattle. Well, there were three plays in that game, Eric, that changed the entire game. And all three of those plays went the Rams way. And two of them were Really, really wrong calls by the officials. And I mean, that's one thing that over the last four or five days, the, uh, the officiating has been as bad as I could ever remember in the NFL, as far as just completely changing the outcome of some games. And, you know, the Rams played better than Seattle in the game, but there was a third and 10 in their own, like on their own 20 that the Rams did not complete. And they got a bogus 
penalty called against Seattle on that third and ten. It gave the Rams an automatic first down. They went on and scored a touchdown. Um, following that, then Russ m- completely missed DK Metcalf wide open, wide open, which for would have been a touchdown. And then there was a horrible call on a fourth down for Seattle when they were driving to try to tie the game, and they completely missed that call. So all three of those things end up going the Rams' way. And so that score is a little bit deceiving, Eric. If just one of those plays flip, Seattle covers. If two of those plays flip, Seattle wins that game. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, like officials have been bad. I mean, I still remember when your Rams were on the beneficial side against the Saints in the uh, championship oh, game. A few years back. Oh, yeah. That I was, mean, unfortunately, it's just something. And the Bears have gotten it the, a couple times the, this year pretty bad, too, on, on uh, Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football, right? Oh, God. And the thing is this, is Dean Blandino was on Fox, and he they asked him if that was a P.I. He said, yes, it was a P.I. All I'm doing is I'm having flashbacks to when the Lions played the Cowboys in the playoffs. Stafford threw the ball. To Brandon Pettigrew, and the same exact situation happened, but it's 15 times worse. They called the flag, and then Bandino picked it up. I mean, I was just, I was just livid like that. But it's funny, and it is funny. The point that you're making too is like, it's they don't. It'd be different if the the officials, when we we hear from the you know the officials on the broadcast, they come in, they say, "What did you do? Did you agree with the call? Did you not agree with the call?" And every time these officials come in. They're like, oh, I, I disagreed. That's not what should have been called. How can that happen? Like, how can they be so far off? How can the people on the field and the people in the studio be completely off? If if the guys in the studio, like if Dean came in and you could tell that they were just all on the same page with some bogus rules, at least we'd have some consistency as fans and as gamblers. Like, at least we'd know, okay, they're going to officiate the game in a very, you know, ticky tacky way. Anything that happens, they're going to call a, pl- a flag. But the problem is they don't. Anything that happens to a quarterback gets flagged. I mean, the stuff that's happening to quarterbacks has been absurd. But then you've got wide receivers getting tackled like that, and you don't you don't call anything. And half of your official crew in the stu- in the studio thinks, oh no doubt, like there's just a. It's not good for fans watching because if you and I and some of the gamblers and the people that invest a ton of our money, we're not sure. Sometimes if the penalty is going to be called or what's this, what's going to happen? What do you think the the like novice fans that just kind of flip a game on on Sunday are thinking when something like that happens? They're like, they don't get it. It's hard to explain. They're like, what do you mean? And it's it's mind boggling. It actually is mind boggling. Like how these officials are and competent. It's to the point where like if it's something that obvious. You have to do something. And then DJ Gallus is pissed, rightfully so. He kicks the ball, you throw a flag. I mean, there has to be some sort of, like, checks and balances. And balances. You're Um, absolutely. You know, the old XFL that was around for um, two months, um, they had that thing where, you know, the reviews, people are up in the sky, boom, boom, wham, bam, thank you, man. Everything was smooth, you know. And there's got to be some sort of median for what's right, what's wrong, and calls and everything. Because it's to the point where it's, you know, A, it's costing us gamblers, and the league is permitting gambling and promoting gambling money. Like, I don't know DJ Dallas's contract status, 
But what happens if he had a contract bonus where if he catches X and he was one off of X? You know what I mean? Like, or, or something, whatever. A you certain amount I mean? of yards he yeah. had to hit, you yeah. know? And yeah. those were the 10 yards on that pass or, you know, whatever it was, uh, a certain amount of snaps. And now because they didn't get another drive, he doesn't get those snaps on the field. Whatever it is, it it it's kind of like with the Astros stuff when they cheated a few years. It's It's costing players money and their livelihoods, too. You know, uh-huh. when wrong calls are being made all the time, like, sure, this is the thing about the gambler and me and like, you know, we're it's probably in the long run, it'll probably end up evening out for people like us who bet as much as we do. But, you know, you remember the really bad ones and it just it's it's a perception thing. You know, you just we we have the the most accurate cameras and technology and information that we've ever had. We can't get these basic things wrong. Like you just. Yeah, we can't. Um, Vikings. Which- you know, and I mean, it, yeah, it does. It does. Like with as much money as involved now, and in, I just, in terms of this game, this is this is how I look at it. Um, Thielen's supposed to be back. Thielen's coming back is going to open up this Vikings offense more because it's going. It's you're not going to have to just guard Jefferson. Like Ramsey's going to guard Jefferson more than likely. That's going to allow Thielen to eat. Rams secondary. I don't mean to be mean because it's your team. They're not as good as they were last year. You know, they no, really they're not. don't have any depth at all. So Thielen's going to be able to eat. Osborne's going to be able to eat. And then are they going to be able to stop the physical running game? I don't think they are. I like the Vikings here. Some against the, against the spread treads. You look at Cousins. Um, Cousins in a 1 p.m. slot as a dog. He's 68% against the spread. You know, these games or there's other things going on. He's not in the spotlight. Nah. Nothing to see here. You know, he, nobody's he watching. Thrives, he thrives in these situations. <laughs> You look at you look at Zimmer, you know, Zimmer as a home dog, he's sixty-two percent against the spread. Zimmer this year as a dog, seventy-one percent against the spread. So I mean, this is just kind of the situation that the Vikings are in. They thrive in and they win. And they no, excuse me, they cover. So yeah, you know, I like them here to cover and I like the uh yeah, I like the I like the Vikings here plus the three. I actually locked them in at plus the three. Yeah, this just feels like a close game that the Vikings. And the, yeah, and the Rams know. are on a short week. You know, they play Tuesday night. Now they have to cross, travel cross country, play an early game. Yeah, it's just a good spot to play them. Mm-hmm. Very good spot for the Vikes at home, getting uh, getting a few points here. Ravens, Bengals in a big divisional game for these two teams. So as of right now, we're recording on Thursday. Lamar has not practiced yet um, as of Wednesday. And so, I mean, that's the big talking point for this game with Lamar. They uh, they are a three point underdog right now. Bengals are a three point favorite, forty five and a half in here. What's your thoughts on this Bengals Baltimore game? Two teams battling it out for the division. I'm going to be on the Ravens. I mean, Lamar plays or not plays, I'm going to be on the Ravens. Um, you look at the Bengals; they won a game yesterday, last week, um, and the offense just didn't look right. Jamar Chase hasn't looked right except. It's that big game he had against the Ravens. Um, Joe Mixon's banged up, may not be playing. I get it. Like, I understand the Ravens are banged up to shit. Um, but this is what Harbaugh does. He's a great coach. He's going to put him in a situation to win, like he did against the Packers last week. And Huntley's shown that he's a competent backup. And with his skill set and everything, he's going to put them in a position to win the game at the end, like he did against the uh, against the Packers team last week. Um, this Raven, but Raven, excuse me, this Bengals offense, um, Taylor's got to go. I mean, with the weapons that they have to only be 20th DVOA and vastly underachieving 
it is a little worrisome. Um, Burrow does lead the NFL in sacks and um, interceptions thrown. So, you know, I'm a little worried about this Bengals team and him and making everything click. Defense has been lights out, but um, I don't think they're going to be able to guard Mark Andrews because we saw how much George Kittle ate when they played the 49ers. So I think it's a great matchup. I think Andrews is in line for a huge day, and I like the Ravens here plus the three. We continue on. Uh, we got uh, four games left to talk about on this week 16 slate. Bears, Seahawks. So talking a little earlier about uh, the officiating this week. Oh, the Bears. They, I mean, the Bears are the only team since 2019 that has finished with 370 more yards and single-digit points <laughs> in that game last week. They got hosed on some calls that compl- and the thing about penalties too is that what what is if you don't watch the game play by play and you just look at the box score people will go what do you mean there were only 5 penalties that were called for 50 yards it's the penalties that aren't called it's the penalties that are called at the time they're called and what they do one penalty sometimes that extends a drive or that stops a drive is changes the whole complexion of a game uh, they've gotten it bad this year twice. I mean, the Bears got it against the the Steelers on on and on that nationally televised game too, where it was like, what is happening here? And I'm uh, you know I'm not gonna say the Bears were gonna win that game, but they were absolutely gonna cover that game. And then if you played them for seven, they don't even kick the extra point there at the end, which is probably frustrating. Um, I I mean I just don't think Seattle like we we're saying. They got they both of these two teams actually got hosed. <laughs> these were the two teams that both got hosed by calls this last week, which is which is funny that they're playing against each other. Um, I'm I'm definitely not in the business of laying six and a half with Seattle. We can just say that. I don't know if I'm going to get to the Bears. If it got to seven, I probably would. That might be my uh, my buy-in point. How about you, Bears Seahawks? Pure pass for me. I mean, we have no idea what is going to happen. We know nothing at all. Which team has quit? Which team is still going? Seahawks are out of the playoffs. Like, how are they going to respond? Are they going to? Yeah, there's zero Russ? motivation for them now. You know what I mean? There's absolutely zero motivation. On the well, Russ side. looked. He looked bad last week. After he his prior two weeks, he had taken like baby steps. It seemed like mm-hmm. each week he was getting a little bit better, and then last week he just didn't look very good at all. Yeah, and um, I just, yeah, I just don't, I just don't know like how they're going to be. You know what I mean? I don't know. What this mentally, like, what are they, they playing for? Yeah, um, then you got the Bears okay. with Neggy, who I mean, sort of probably a lame duck situation over there with them too. Um, I, you're, I just I, I need to go on a field rant though. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead. So one of my pet peeves in life, watching a football game, is when it's third and eight, third and six, whatever, and the quarterback throws that four yard pass. Fields doesn't do that. He either tries to athletically get there with his feet, or he pushes the ball down the field. This kid has constantly gotten punched in the face, constantly been thrown down to the ground and getting zero roughing the passer calls. And this kid keeps on getting up, keeps battling, keeps fighting. I'm not a, I live in the Chicago area, but because I'm from Michigan, from Detroit, I'm not a Chicago Bears fan, but they got their guys. And I love everything I see about them. The faster they play with the hurry up, the no huddle, he looks better. Uh, the beginning of the game with the script plays, he looks like shit. But when you just let him go out there and play, he looks great. 
Um, the analogy I have, it's like, you remember, oh my God, the old TV show, Friday Night Lights, when Michael B. Jordan was like the quarterback and his dad to like coach Taylor. And he's like, hey, just let him play. And it's kind of like the same thing you have to go with Fields. Don't script the stuff. You know, obviously our plays and everything, but don't have like 20 scripted plays. Play fast, go hard. And that's when this kid's at his best. Chicago's got himself a winner. That even puts more pressure on for them not to be you cheap just, and not F up the next coaching hire. But in terms just, of this game, no way I can play it. You just got to make sure that he stays Vince and he doesn't turn into Steam and Willie Beeman. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. As long as he stays Vince, you know, and he keeps his head on his shoulders, God, I love me some Friday Night Lights. Clear eyes, full hearts. Got to love that. Got to love that. As uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm staying away here for this one. I, you know, seven... If it got to seven, I probably would jump in on the Bears, but I, as of now, I'm staying away. Four more games to discuss. We've got uh, Steelers. Uh, let's go to Broncos Raiders first. Let's go Broncos yep. Raiders here. In uh, your boy Drew Lock, Drewy baby. So we've got Drew Lock on the road playing the Raiders. The Raiders just backed into that win against Cleveland. Um, they threw an interception late. All Cleveland had to do was get one first down, and unfortunately, they couldn't pick up that first down, and they would have won the game. And then, you know, the Raiders were able to move the ball a little bit late, pick up a a, a big play or two, a penalty, and then kick a field goal to win. Both of these teams are like seven and seven. They're still in the playoff picture. I, I mean, I'm leaning. Denver here. I just think there are games on the board I like a little bit more. I don't know if I want. If I have lock, I probably want a couple points. <laughs> At least if I'm back in lock, I definitely don't want to back the Raiders in this spot. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a lean to the Broncos, but I don't. Tell me why you're betting on your boy Drew Lock. Um, I think the offense is way more explosive than him. I think he can push the ball down the field. I think that the defense for the Broncos is going to challenge the Raiders. Um, you look how the Raiders have handled their offensive issues after the bye. Their two wins have been against the um, Cowboys when there's all those penalties in the game, and they just played beat the Browns barely in the last second field goal with their JV roster. It's not like this Raiders team has been that explosive and has looked that good. I think the Browns, with their defense, a better coaching staff, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win the game. I I, I like them here and their offense. Like I understand Bridgewater's not gonna turn the ball over as much as Locke does, but we it's saw it. as, soon as, frustrating. as soon as Locke came in, the offense was just way more explosive. It just went down right down the field and played. And as they're a gonna make... receiver, as someone like Tim Patrick, Judy, or Sutton. Now you're kind of excited because now you mm-hmm. know, like, it's there. With that Teddy, a chance at like, least. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, you're a little bit more locked in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Fangio's defense, it's going to struggle the hell out of lock. So you're a little bit more too locked in. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Uh-huh. Yeah, probably end up being on the Denver side here. Definitely won't be on the Raiders side. As uh, we get to Pitt, KC, ah, this one's a stay away for me. Um, it's up to 10, though, now. Eek. Um, like the Chiefs are definitely starting to get a little more overvalued than they should be. Pittsburgh comes off of their win, but this does feel like a Pittsburgh spot to sort of keep it close. I didn't like. Now that it's getting to ten and above, I'm gonna end up being on Pittsburgh. I know it because it was in that dead zone for a little while where it was in like the seven and eight. It was in like the eight range, but now up at ten, 
Uh, yeah, I'm well, probably going to be. No, I'm, this is down to seven and a half, eight. Right okay, now, okay, because I'm looking at it. I was going to say. huge COVID outbreak because Kelsey's got the vid. Um, Kansas City, so that's why. So yeah, I'm, I'm, Hill's got. So it's in this dead zone. With, yeah. No, Nowhere yeah. for me. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's Steelers or nothing. You've looked at this Chiefs team and everything. And if you take the Raiders game, the two Raiders games off the docket, Mahomes is a bottom third quarterback in the NFL. I mean, let that sit in. So, I mean, I really feel like their defense is playing lights out. Offensively, they're a little bit more challenged. Um, Steelers, you know, you have Watt who's going to be able to the quarterback. You saw what a difference uh, Joe Hayden made in the back four. That interception he had in that steel in the Steelers Titans game was absolutely insane. Um, this is kind of like Steelers playing for the season. Steelers getting over a touchdown. Mike Tylen is a dog. This is kind of my spot, but it was at 10 and this COVID news broke and now it's down to eight, eight and a half, seven and a half. I feel I missed out. So this is just a pure stick away, stay away from me. If it does come out that Hill and Kelsey are coming back and it does get up to the 10, 10 and a half range. Yeah, I'll be in it. But as of right now, Gonna sit back and not even worry about it. You guys heard it in my voice. It was the same thing for me. It was like, what? I saw the ten, and then it was like, oh no, it's still a set. So if I couldn't have gotten that better number, I wouldn't want to be in now in that sort of a weirdish uh, seven and a half, eight range. Let's get to Sunday and Monday night. We've got Washington at Dallas. Cowboys here are minus ten and a half, minus eleven in that range. And for Washington, they're coming off of a short week. They had a ton of COVID issues to deal with. And what what was frustrating to back both Washington and the Browns this week within their situations where they had a ton of players missing. And then you get Washington on the first drive. They go, they get the ball and it's Gibson, 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 Gibson. And they get up and then they get the benefit of the doubt from a turnover. They're up 10 to nothing. And then Gibson gets hurt. It's like, are you kidding me? And then... You know, he was out for a couple series and then he came back in and he didn't, he just didn't have the same sort of burst the whole rest of the game. They were giving him the ball a little more, but he just didn't. And the same thing happened with Miles Garrett, too. It's just so frustrating because it's like you have these teams that are decimated already. They're already missing 15 to 20 players and they need one of their better players to kind of step up. And he was doing it and then he gets hurt. And Garrett was doing it and then he gets hurt. And it just, Gosh, sometimes, like I was saying, I, I tweeted, you wonder about the sports gods or the gambling gods out there. You were like, I guess it just shouldn't, it just wasn't their day to win because you felt like Washington was putting up a pretty good effort there, completely depleted uh, with uh, with Gilbert, you know, start, starting. And that's what playing this game right here, we have a lot of questions for Washington, right? They're the team that's just still dealing with a lot of these COVID issues. I'm not going to be backing Dallas at plus the, you know, at more than the double digits because. Dallas is one of the teams that I'm the most cold on. Like I'm, I'm targeting Dallas and San Francisco over the next few weeks as teams that I think are are just a little overvalued because of their recent victories. Dallas has a stretch of games now where, you know, they got the benefit of the doubt against Washington, where Washington had a bunch of injuries. Heineke was miserable. Dak got lucky. He got away with a couple pick sixes. Before that, they had four turnovers. Uh, when they played against the Saints last week, they got four turnovers against the Giants. And team, the the analysis coming out of the Dallas games, and you've been kind of hitting on this for a long time, Eric. Everybody comes out and just is like, wow, this Dallas defense, they're so good. They're so good. I mean, you watch the turnovers. 
How many times do they make the turnover? Do they create the turnover, or is it a different, or, or is it their opponent making a bad play and sort of gifting them with the turnover? Those are two different things. And does that mean that in this particular spot, you know, Dallas may still may still cover here? They're going to be playing a Washington team that that's beat up. Sure, down the line. I'm not sold on Dallas right now at all From what I've seen I think their defense is a mirage And I think Dak is playing the worst football he's played all year long There's something up with them That's it's being a little bit hidden by they, The fact that they've played some bad teams That have come in and in some good spots for Dallas I'm anti-Dallas here Give me possibly Gilbert Give me Heineke Give me whoever's playing for the Washington football team Taking the snaps yeah, I locked him in. God, what I get him at this morning or last night? I locked him in early. Um, I took them at plus 11. Thought process is this. It's either going to be Allen or Hinky. One of them is going to be back. It's going to be a huge upgrade over uh, Gilbert. Uh, defensively, you know, the guys are starting to come back a little bit. And I, this Cowboys offense, it just hasn't looked right. You know what I mean? It's not like it's blazing up and down the field. Everyone after that first game against the Buccaneers, Dak is back. Look at Cooper. Look at Elliott. Look at Lamb. It just, it's been a, a shell of itself. You know what I mean? It just hasn't looked crisp, isn't firing in all cylinders at all. Um, Elliott can't run the ball. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just not sharp. And I'm just going to bank on Washington playing for the season. You have a better coach. Better defense, even though DVOA and the stats don't back it up. I'll take the Washington here. I'm even going to sprinkle on the money line. Because the last time these guys played, the game wasn't as far away from the, what the score indicated. So I think the number is a little kicked up. That was – I'm not I'm like, I'm not kidding. That was as bad of a half that you will see any quarterback play that Taylor Heineke played. He was missing wide open guys, overthrowing so bad. It was abysmal. And then McLaren got hurt early in the game with a concussion. They were down big. They came all the way back, and they had a chance to tie the game. They were driving, and when they were driving, they were they didn't have their QB one, wide receiver one, tight end one, or running back one. They like benched Gibson for some reason in that game. He wasn't even playing towards the end. It was bizarre. So I agree with you. This game should not be this big of a spread here. Way too much. As we get to the final game of the week, Monday Night Football, your boy Tua. In Miami, they've won six in a row now. They are seven and seven, seven, six and one against the spread in the AFC. On the other side, we've got the Saints, who are seven and seven. They are seven and seven against the spread in the NFC. This is like a de facto play in game for these two teams. Not even that if you win, you're in. It's just whomever loses this game is out. If they whoever loses has no chance. Miami needs to get lucky, they need to win out and probably need a couple things to happen. New Orleans, I mean, their win last week that people really weren't expecting against Tampa, that may have helped save their season and given them a chance to get in the playoffs. And, I mean, it wasn't a good win. They scored nine points, but they were able to, defensively, they were able to shut out Tampa. I think we saw that might have been more about Tampa, some of the injuries, some of the issues that they were dealing with. Brady had that look on his face and the bad body language. I am probably, probably, I mean... I'm leaning the Saints here. I just don't know if I want to lay uh, the points in, in in this spot. Do you have a strong opinion here in, uh, in the Monday Night Football game? Yeah, I locked in the Saints minus the three. Um, you have Davenport. You have Jordan coming back. They're going to be able to disrupt. They're going to be able to get to 
Tua, who struggles under pressure, not the most nimblest of foot. Um, Dolphins offensive line isn't that good. That's going to create some pressure for Tua even more. And then Dolphins strength is what? In the defense, it's their back four. What do the Saints like to do with the current quarterback situation with Taysom Hill? They like to do a lot of quarterback power, like a little dinks and dunks to uh, to Kamara or get Kamara in the ball in the wing. I think the Saints are going to be able to move the ball. I locked it to three. It wouldn't be surprising the Saints win this by double digits. And this is a this is a blowout type game. Um, even though I know what are they seven in a row now for the Dolphins, they're still what twenty five DVOA. Mm-hmm. And they they've so been free, like, they've been lucky in a few games. Yeah. They beat a couple bad opponents. So it's yeah, they haven't been playing great football recently so either. Not, it, it, it's not like they've been looking all this great. You know, I'm really looking for this as a quote-unquote get-right spot for the Saints, keep their playoff hopes alive and cruise to a victory and kind of put the Dolphins' season to bed. That is NFL Week 16. Uh, make sure to follow along on social media as we will have a fourth and inches show for you on Saturday to preview the Saturday games. And then on Sunday at 11 a.m. Saturday, we'll probably go around. I'll talk to Eric uh, in the next couple of days. Like maybe we'll go around 3, 3.30 Eastern. But if it's in the middle of Christmas stuff and we have to go earlier in the morning, that's fine. We may we may do that. Just keep an eye on our social media accounts. We'll let you know when we're going for a fourth and inches Saturday and Sunday. And we'll have all the up-to-date information at that point. We'll be able to give you a better look at the numbers of players that are going to be missing and uh, who's in, who's out, all that kind of stuff. Eric, what's uh, what's your schedule with the podcast and with content coming up this week? Um, I have podcast coming out tomorrow morning. I'll give my review of the Thursday night football game between the Titans and the uh, 49ers. I'm going to help you guys build a DFS slate. And then um, Shy, who's she's been coming on my podcast forever. Her cousin actually plays in the NBA. Uh, her and I are just going to talk about the NBA slate of games. Should the NBA be canceling? And kind of like where we think of all the teams that are currently playing on christmas day kind of give you a little nba talk for a little bit awesome stuff we'll be tuning in to that make sure to give eric a follow and uh happy holidays buddy i know i'll be talking to you before then but thank you so much man you become such a huge part of this show i know everybody out there appreciates all the work that you put in i hope you have a a very nice uh christmas with your family thanks merry christmas to you too my man make sure to give eric a, a follow out there folks and don't go anywhere still plenty more on this episode of that's what she said You want to set the mood, you're looking for something all natural, soy wax, non-toxic baby, scents for every season, now don't be afraid baby, just spell it out. C-E-R-A-N-O-S.com And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off, mmm, mmm. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. 
one click to bet now and DRF bets, get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge by Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Your horse racing fantasy come true. Joey, getting me every time with that Stable Duel jingle. And it is a fun time for Stable Duel right now because Santa Anita, they join the party with big games at Gulfstream, Santa Anita, and Tampa right now. Talk about some major, major racetracks for Stable Duel games. So let's look at the schedule coming up over the next few days. I'm recording this on Thursday. So on Friday, there's a couple games at Gulfstream. There's a $50 game, a top 15. There's a $5 game that's $1,000 in prizes. The $50 entry, 10000 in prizes. And a free ride, free roll on Friday. Merry Christmas early from Stable Duel with a Gulfstream free game, $250 in prizes. They have two games for you at Tampa on Friday. Nothing on Saturday. Everybody is home resting, having fun with the family, Christmas gifts. And then Sunday, we get right back in the mix. Gulfstream, Santa Anita opening day, the $50 game, $7,500 in cash prizes. There's also a $10 game. That's a $1,000 prize pool. That's on Sunday. And then the $100 double up at Tampa. Gulfstream, Santa Anita, and Tampa are going to be your options this weekend for Stable Duel Games. Get those entries in and play, race, win. We have a lot going on this weekend as far as uh, different contests, different games that we can get involved in. At Santa Anita, SantaAnita.com, you can go and register right now for the Pick'em Contest and for Showvivor. Both of them are free, 100% free. The Pick'em Contest 
are games that'll come every Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and they combine having to pick props that are about sports games, betting lines, over-unders, and horse racing. If you think you're a someone who knows sports very well, you also know horse racing, you want to get a little action every Saturday and Sunday with a chance to win 500 bucks. come play along in the Sanity to Pick'em contest. We're going to have a live stream that I will show you how to sign up, what to do, how to build your lineup and everything. Chase Sessoms is going to join me to take care of that. We'll have that coming up in the next couple days. Give us a follow. Uh, it's me, Gino B. In the show, Viver, you have to pick a register, pick one horse to show each day. If that horse shows, you continue along. They also have the, the win streak and a bunch of different ways that you can make money playing in those games for free. Guys, it, it's free. If anything is that you can get a chance to get in and play for free, it doesn't cost you a cent. You have to take advantage. Santa Anita, first post for Sunday, 11 a.m., Monday, noon. Then there's going to be racing on Thursday, 12.30 p.m. Friday, December 31st, 12.30 p.m. Saturday, the 1st of January at noon, and Sunday at 12.30. Show Viver with $7,500 in prizes throughout the meet, and the Pick'em Contest, $20,000 in prizes throughout the meet. Online contest missing, mixing popular sports props and horse racing every Saturday, Sunday, and holly, uh, holiday Monday. they got the live money opening day challenge at Santa Anita, golden hour bets, and then all of those events at Santa Anita, the barbecue, craft beer, and cider festival, the Mathis Brothers fundraiser, santaanita.com for anything you need. How about some, uh, some plays for Santa Anita? Let's jump in. Santa Anita Monday, December the 27th. If you need any help with opening day, you can take a look at the uh, the previous podcast. I went through every horse in every race for opening day, all 11 races, thoughts on every single horse in every race. We spent about two hours on that show just talking about the opening day card for Santa Anita. We're going to bounce around here on Monday. I have a play in race 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9. In the opener, I've been waiting for this two horse to come back from a while for a while. Eleuthera. So she debuted against Calbred Maiden Specials on the on the turf back in August. She was very good that day. She finished second. She hopped at the start. She was kind of wide towards the back of the pack. She settled eighth, five lengths off or so, and she moved into some traffic. She had to tap on the brakes, and she had to angle around three deep in between horses. It was a very solid second. Then she took a shot against the boys, against Stakes Company, sprinting on the dirt. It was kind of a weird spot. I think you just put a line right through it. The horse she lost to in her debut, Dendera, is two for three on the turf. The lone time she was defeated on the grass came in a the juvenile Phillies turf stakes. E. Luthera, the number two, is six to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two, we're going to make a win wager on E. Luthera. Moving to the third race, that's Santa Anita. First level allowance, mile and an eighth on the turf course here. I thought the three Niles channel was interesting coming in from Hawthorne. And I think because of that, people may look at those races and think they're softer and, and not you know, Niles Channel can't compete with this group. Um, he just ran into a horse named Temper Tantrum, who has won six of 12 races, five of the last six, and was third in the Hawthorne Derby. That's a quality animal. And Niles Channel sat second behind the two to five favorite, battled the length of the stretch, and just missed that day. Blinkers come off, heads out to Southern California. The number three, Niles Channel. He's 12 to 1 on the morning line. Anything around six, I'm going to make a win wager. It's a great horse to use in Stable Duel because it's not going to cost you much, only 750 bucks. 
Let's get to race number five. First level allowance down the hillside turf course. The four Gregory's Pride on the cutback from the mile race should be really tough in here. The seven Constitution Affairs, another one who just based off of that last effort, he's a pretty good measuring stick in this field. It was right next to Gregory's Pride, and there wasn't much passing in that race. New Park went to the lead. Eastern Ocean sat right behind, and some of the other horses who were a little farther behind, they had no shot there. Now, New Park's back in this race. New Park will, again, try to get out front, but with Mac Daddy 2, with Mucho Del Oro towards the outside, C Falls is really quick. Now, some of them have shown a little more sprint speed. Parnelli's not exactly slow. And then you got Encroachment, who's also got some sprint speed. I think it, this race sets up better for Gregory's Pride in Constitution Affair than the the October the 31st race did. No doubt about it. I kind of treat the 10 Mucho Del Oro like a wild card for start off the claim for Serin. On that cutback from the mile to 6.5, he may be able to sit a little bit from out there. We saw two starts back going the mile at Santa Anita. He sat off a little bit, was only beaten to neck behind Cane Creek Road. Mucho Del Oro will be in some of the exotics. I have four, seven, ten there. I'll kind of play those three in rolling exotics and then see from a price standpoint if I want to play any of them on the win end. But those will be the three I build the, the exotics around in that race. In the seventh, we've got the uh, the number eight Mischievous Path. This is a mild turf race for Calbred first level allowance runners. And Mischievous Path has only been on the turf twice. They were both turf sprints. Five furlongs, then six and a half. And he was 102 to 1 last time out. He actually had a decent start. And when he was in some traffic, um, he backed up to seventh and he was about seven lengths off on the inside. He hugged the rail and he again found a little bit of traffic. He had some very, very nice late energy fourth for uh fourth in that race. I think mischievous path now it will stretch out. We'll go two sprints to a route on the turf, right? Now we'll progress from five to six and a half to a mile. A little bit sneaky. Took a step forward in the second turf start. The number eight mischievous path is 10 to one on the morning line. Anything around six to one will make a win wager there. As we move to the ninth and final for Monday, December the 27th, mile on the turf course here, two-year-old Phillies. I like the two pretty Rena. So her debut was good. Five furlongs for a barn that's not very good first time out. She ran well. She was third at 30 to one. And then career start number two, I played her on November the 12th, and she kind of backed out of a tight spot. She settled six. She was about four lengths off. She she had to take up and check out of a spot, and she lost all of her momentum. She wasn't going to win the race that day. She was chasing a wire-to-wire winner, but she could have been a little bit closer. And she's better than her form might look. She's got more speed also, and she's going to be stretching out from a couple sprints to a route. I think she's going to end up Pretty close to the front end in here. Forwardly placed down towards the inside. Pretty Reina. The number two. She's 12-1 to 1 on the morning line. Anything around 6-1 to will make a win wager there. That is Monday. Monday, Monday. It's all the same. Monday over at Santa Anita. So good luck Monday at Santa Anita. And good luck as we make the transition on over and talk a little wrestling in just a moment. We are only a few weeks away from Sam Houston. If you've been following this podcast for the last couple years, you know I'm a huge fan of Sam Houston. We've done some work with them, and this will be year three now where we'll be providing coverage for Sam Houston races every single day. They have 
the low takeout for all of the multi-race exotics, 12% low takeout for daily doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, everything on all the multi-exotics. You don't have to worry about you know uh, a track that's charging you way more for takeout. Their takeout is half of a lot of the other major tracks. We're going to be playing Sam Houston every day. We're going to be doing our best. We're going to deep dive those past performances. Sam Houston, coming soon on That's What G Said. Coming even sooner, wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. We got the holiday edition of this week in wrestling, and joining us now is Santa with muscles, Chad Coopaloop, <laughs> <laughs> our good friend who's with us each and every week to talk about everything happening in the world of wrestling. We will bounce around this week, talk a little SmackDown, uh, Raw, NXT 2.0, and AEW. And of all of the four shows that we'll discuss, Coop, it feels like Right now, uh, SmackDown is the one that just keeps kind of humming along with the ratings. I think they're getting a nice boost from Brock Lesnar being involved in the angles over there. Everything that they've had going with Paul Heyman and with Roman Reigns has been really, really good stuff over there. And it seems like just from the as far as you know the the, the show that the people are the most interested in right now seems to be the one that we're going to talk first, and that's a uh, that's SmackDown. Yeah, and you know, you know. Over the last couple of weeks, I've made it a point. I didn't think SmackDown has been as strong. Uh, and that's mainly because of the draft taking a lot of the heavy hitters. But uh, the most consistent uh, watched wrestling program on cable television is Friday Night SmackDown. So, uh, but yeah, and that storyline is intriguing. There's also been some, some other interesting stuff going on. But a pretty solid Friday night, uh, what we saw. We got Tony Storm and Sasha Banks picking up a win right off the bat. So, hey, this is good for now. Both Tony and Liv, they kind of mirror each other on on SmackDown and on Raw. And we'll get to Raw in a little bit. Some of the stuff with Liv may have been a little goofy, uh, but <laughs> nonetheless, that's that's a different that's a different argument, right? We can say that they're not um, that the storyline or maybe the angle that they're in is goofy, but at least these are women. That are getting a push, that are getting an opportunity, that are super talented, that we've always been kind of clamoring for getting more TV time, and they are. And I kind of like what Sasha, it's, she's going so buddy buddy with Tony that there's going to be some Sasha Tony stuff at some point. Like Sasha sure. is just laying it on, like, you are so great, you're this, this, and this. So at some point, I think we'll get like Sasha and Tony to go at it. Uh, but I like this. This is good. And just one. A person like Tony or a Shotzi or a Liv, they just feel like they add so much like new kind of fresh matchups to the division when they come in and they start interacting with a bunch of people that we haven't seen. Yeah, it was good to see Shotzi back on television. I think she's been missing for a couple of weeks. And hey, look, it was a good solid match, nearly 20 minutes. The fans popped for the finish. Um, I think they're they're they they're really getting into Tony Charlotte. Um I think this Friday we get uh, the title match. Um, 
Charlotte versus Tony. I, I, I don't think it's going to be live. I haven't seen spoilers. I stay away from spoilers. Uh, but it leads up to a title match on Christmas Eve. The Viking Raiders pick up a victory over Jinder and Shanky. So just a little rehab for one of the tag teams over on SmackDown. And we do have a it, the Intercontinental Championship contenders. Uh, 12-man gauntlet. 12-man gauntlet coming up this weekend yeah. uh, on yeah. Friday. Which should be kind of fun. I think the Viking Raiders are a part of it. There are a couple tag teams that are a part of it. And, you know, it'll give... The gauntlet matches are are fun because they give everybody... uh, There is something that WWE has actually done pretty well over the last few years in making some stars. Think about what Seth Rollins that night and then Kofi Mania. That's how it all happened. Yeah, it's... uh... SmackDown this week will definitely be based around those two, Charlotte, Tony, and the 12-man gauntlet. I, you know, do we pull for Sami Zayn here? Uh, Is he the hot guy that that kind of feels like it's going to be him, right? I mean, he's much interesting right now than than anybody else that's in that picture or like uh, than than Nakamura for sure. Sami should something, yeah, there's got to be a story for it, right? And maybe it is, I don't know if Brock helps him or something, or I don't know, to, like there's gotta be something <laughs> to this, you know, um, there, and maybe even with Brock, because gosh, just watching that a few weeks ago when the two of them were in the ring and Paul Heyman was like, what is going on here? Canadian buddies, you gotta go shoot moose together? What's happening? Like it was just, the Canadian alphas. Yeah, that was great. That made me chuckle. So some, uh, that is one Thing that I've noticed this week in particular, they've got a lot of stuff set up for these next two shows for Raw and SmackDown, yeah. which is something yeah. that WWE doesn't normally do because Vince loves to change things last minute. Doesn't, and you, doesn't, you, this is you've been wanting this. This is yeah. all you want. I love it. I love when we can promote some stuff a week out and we can have a little bit of an opportunity to talk about it. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do even a preview of Raw or SmackDown? Do <laughs> what, what was happening, but good luck with uh, with something like that as. Um, Paul Heyman pulls in with the SUV and or excuse me, Paul Heyman's in the parking lot. SUV pulls in and Brock Lesnar hops out. And so uh, we have a a, a lot of fun between them throughout the night that ends up leading to in the main event. Roman Reigns actually laying out Paul, uh, Paul Heyman, which. I, you know, it's always cool to see Paul, you know, taking a bump out there or, you know, getting a, you know, taking a punch as Roman kind of asked him and he, you know, he said, what's going to happen? Or he basically said, why are you protecting Roman Reigns or why are you protecting Brock Lesnar from me? And Paul Heyman said, I'm protecting you from Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and that was a really good line. And you, it was, it was like. You could tell for about two minutes that that was where the line was going. And everybody was just like, is he going to say it? Is he going to say it? Yeah. And then he said it and it was like, oh, Roman punched him. And they were getting ready to really go to town on him. But Lesnar comes out, suplex city. He unloads uh, F5s all over the place. And he leaves Roman Reigns and the Usos just laying out in the ring. So... I mean, what the hell's going on with all these guys, right? I mean, we don't know which where's Heyman, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, Roman turning. 
I'm very interested in in where this is all going moving forward. It was heading this way. Someone asked Roman hitting Paul on SmackDown. Did we jump the shark here? Is that a jump the shark moment? I don't think so. I I, I don't look at it this way. I, I just look as we, we knew Paul Heyman wasn't going to stick around with Roman Reigns. It just didn't make sense. Even during the match, you can't play. I, I Look, I guess it could have been intriguing for the first matchup uh, on day one when Heyman's in the corner, a.k.a. of both, and he's kind of moving around. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if, too me, if people are looking too much into this, but it was very intriguing. It was very – it was a hot ending to SmackDown on Friday night. Yeah, well, like anything, you have to see where it goes moving forward. What I like about it is that they got a match in a couple weeks or, and next week. So it's not as if we're building to like this. This didn't happen and jump the shark with them building to a WrestleMania match or something. Right, it's next. It's next. It's one week from Saturday. One week one from week Saturday. From Christmas. Yeah. One week from Christmas, and we're gonna have these two going at it. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. Um, we had the uh the sword in the stone basically here. <laughs> uh, Angela stuck in the desk. I mean, this is Adam Pierce's desk, right? Adam Pierce's desk. <laughs> And then you got Corbin and, and you know, Mad, uh, and Madcap trying to pull it out. He says something about, you know, performance issues. And uh, uh, I think okay. it's going to lead to it leads to a McIntyre Madcap match here. They, got, they have I, I just yeah. on day one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just this happy talk. has just as much as we've loved the lovable loser, Baron Corbin. That angle is so great. Corbin. Even King Corbin, we love. This has been a, this has been a, a massive failure for Disaster. Corbin. Disaster. Just bad. Just really bad. Man. Go away. Turn off the TV. Kind of heat. This is. This is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just not good. You mentioned Sammy. He. Uh, yeah. You know they're kind of doing like a babyface-ish turn with Sammy. It feels yeah. like they're just kind oh, of he's just becoming so entertaining that they're you're kind of like having a hard time not smiling and sort of laughing at him. So. Sammy's in that uh, gauntlet match. Like, the way he responded, it was great. He said, you know, he ruined my universal title shot. He said, I need another shot. And then they're setting him up. Hey, you know what, Sammy? I know you like the Intercontinental title. You know what? You know, we're going to give you a shot. And he says, uh, next week, 12-man gauntlet match. And, and Sammy's like, I mean, well, that's not really a gift. You know? Like, just he, <laughs> like, his, like, little ad libs and stuff are yes. so great. He's just this, like, uh, like neurotic guy who's just in his own head. Oh, it's funny. It's really good stuff. As um, Ridge Holland gets the win. Now these are the kind of things that I don't understand because you just had Ridge. You just had Ridge and Shane, uh, Cesaro last week. You had Cesaro beat him. If you have some sort of long term t- storytelling, it does. I'm not even saying you're going to make Ridge the champion or anything. But is there's a new guy who just came in. And why why have Cesaro beat him last week if you're going to have this week him come right back and beat Cesaro? It doesn't do any good for either one of them. No, and the only thing I found interesting during this portion of the program is Pat McAfee bringing up that Shad Khan fired Urban Meyer. Hey, that was and funny. Like, yeah, that was okay. Funny. But no, it didn't make sense, and it just doesn't. I, I, I know they're trying to come up with – Ridge and Sheamus, why why not just make them a tag team and 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 
Like Cesaro and Sheamus, and work be a badass tag yeah, team. Just work the Usos. They'd be a, just a great champion. Just I, I don't know. This is this is another uh, failure right now for me. It, it, it's not too early for for this to see it, it. It has no pop, and for Cesaro to win last week in the same type of match as this week, it's just we're not going anywhere with this. Just it, it's just it felt like filler. Doesn't make any sense. We no. got a. Uh... Little Naomi, Sonia Deville, and they Sonia looks great. I will say, uh, in, yeah. in, in yeah. a lot of her stuff, and Naomi. I mean, Naomi always looks great. So this was uh, Naomi's Christmas list to face Deville one on one, and Naomi is getting attacked by Shayna Baszler. She's going after the knee. Deville tells the referee to ring the bell, and Shayna goes in for the leg submission. Naomi crawls to the rope. And then she's able to counter and roll up Shayna for the quick win out of nowhere. <laughs> um, so she picks up the victory. Sonya's all mad afterwards. And uh, they kind of, you know, they have some words, a little jawing at each other. But I think we got to elevate this a little bit more, kind of expedite yeah. it a little bit more. I'm, yeah. I don't mind some of the, the storylines and I don't mind the evil Sonya and Naomi, but it just, it feels like it's been dragging on for a while when we need the payoff coming soon. Yeah, hopefully we'll get it next Saturday. You just got to figure how many matches are we getting at this event. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've already got several big title matches. You've got the, you know, three big ones. You know, you got Becky Liv. Uh, you've got the four-way uh, with Lashley, Big E, KO, and Rollins. And then, of course, Roman and Brock. So, um, Tony and Charlotte. I, Tony and Charlotte. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how many we're getting here. Um, but you yeah, pay off on paper should be a pretty quick. strong show. I mean, yeah, you... it's real solid. Yeah. Um, we got the new day picking up a win over the Usos. And that was when, uh, Roman came out afterwards and said, you know, he doesn't like the Usos losing, but he's okay. It's family. He can get over it. Their blood. And that was when he turned on Heyman there. So yeah, they did mention that, uh, oh, so next, next week we're getting, so maybe we don't get this Tony Charlotte. No, we're get, the, yeah, we're getting that. We're getting on that SmackDown Friday night. Yeah, that and the Twelve Days of Christmas Gauntlet match, which, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm a little disappointed. I'm, a, I'm more of a fan of the Thirty Fourth Street fight match. You know, the Miracle <laughs> on Thirty Fourth Street fight. That one does it for me. You know, uh, but uh, we get the. Well, you 12. still have Monday. We, I was gonna say gonna Christmas. We, the Christmas hangover stocking match or something. I was going to say, it could be. That's so great. That's so great. I, uh, uh, I love when they do these gimmick things. So that was SmackDown this week as uh, the fans chant Suplex City as it goes <laughs> off the air there as we move along to Monday Night Raw. And we open up with uh, a look at how Bobby Lashley has now made his way into the title picture. And we are getting, we are getting this baby face turn. It feels yeah, like. Are. I mean, yeah. he's definitely uh, um, keeping himself away from MVP as much. He's talking about how he doesn't need the kind of help in the ring. He was being a little bit more straight with Big E. It seems like you're kind of stacking these two baby faces against the two heels of Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. And I will say the the Seth KO stuff is pretty funny. You know, they're they're pretty good together. Um, because Seth is such a caricature now yes. that, that KO, like they play off each other really well. Um, when Seth, you know, they're, 
when they were just talking about how Adam Pierce told them that they're going to make them a tag team and just a little like their responses to that. And, and Kevin's like, no, I know where you're going here. I don't like it. I don't like it. Like, he's just like saying it under his breath and Seth is like, no, no, no. Oh no. And it's like, <laughs> yes, you're facing Lashley and Biggie. It just, uh, and then just, at the end of the show, I think they're hugging. Yeah. They hugged each other they at the did. end of the show. Pretty it's, fun. It is funny. These guys are both super entertaining and, uh, Kevin Owens, shout out to Kevin Owens who signed the big contract to stay in WWE for a while. You can tell they uh, they've always liked KO from the beginning. He came in right away in NXT and, and had a, a huge moment with Sammy where he slammed him on, on that oh, yeah. NXT takeover when Sammy won and he just slams him afterwards. It was just great. KO has been a big deal from the very beginning. So this, I'm a little in, I'm intrigued now because the turning of Lashley has kind of made me a little more interested in all four of them and this storyline. I'm I'm just kind of curious where they're going to go now because Lashley as a baby as like starting to become this tweener towards a baby face, it feels a little bit fresher. And now I start to wonder like hmm, does he win this? Is he the guy that they maybe want to have the title come WrestleMania or do they have something else happen and then maybe they want him to win it at WrestleMania? But now I've got some wheels spinning in my head. For all four of these guys with this match I just feel a lot more interested in it now Maybe than I was a week or two ago Yeah with Lashley being a heel figure It's basically three on one You know Owens has been A a heel there's no way you can Tween uh, Rollins because He's just been uh, Pretty much an ass For the most part Um, it's, it's, It's interesting which way They're going are we going to have any Title changes on this pay-per-view, um, which leads to Royal Rumble, which basically leads to WrestleMania, because if nothing is, I don't want to say anything, because we have seen some crazy stuff happen between big pay-per-views and leading up to a big pay-per-view, but if you're not going to lose a title next Saturday or somebody loses one at, at Royal Rumble, uh, that's a wrap, right? We're we're there till till WrestleMania. This is what we're gonna have. So I don't see too many changes taking place after day one slash Royal Rumble, which is the end of January. So I don't know which way they're they're really going here. Lashley seems like the guy that that has to me over the last several weeks has been the hot momentum guy. Absolutely, he's players. the hot of all the four of them. Building. All four the of them. Building. He's the one that they're the story seems like it's all about. It's the other three around. guys correct all seem like they're kind of background players in the Bobby Lashley part. story. Even the champion. Even the a- champion. Absolutely. Absolutely. They it all seems like it's about what's happening with Bobby Lashley in his baby face turn. So I don't think that they're presenting it that way by accident. It'll be interesting no. to see, you know, what happens in the next week week or so, but Biggie and Bobby get the win as a tag team in the main event. And as you would expect with these four guys, the main event really was good. great, really good. But as uh, Chad had mentioned afterwards, you've got Seth and KO who attack and they leave. Uh, they, the show goes off the air with those two guys smiling, hugging and standing tall with uh, Biggie and Bobby down on the floor. So that's kind of been your, uh, your main event storyline for a while. And um, yeah, it felt like it was. It, it felt like at least had some some forward movement this week, and more intrigued getting into day one as uh, Bianca and Dewdrop. I mean, I love them in the ring, but we're, I think we're, they, and they said it 
Bianca said it like five times to where it was like, this is the final time we're wrestling. This is our final match. The final time. It was almost like she was making sure we all knew that this was going to be it. Um, but this is, in a weird way, Dewdrop does feel right now like she's a lot more elevated than she was when she was doing the Eva Marie stuff. Like she does seem legitimate in her matches with Bianca. I think Bianca getting the win was right, but Dewdrop with the with just a little bit of kind of tweaking and the right kind of push, she can really be a standout in this women's division because she's unique. She has a size and a look that not very many other in the division have and it, and the one that did, Naya isn't around anymore So she could really be that kind of powerhouse Big presence in the women's division And I, I like what she does in the ring Yeah, I, I, the crowd popped for the finish uh, The match was fine um, the, the problem with it is It wasn't as good as previous But uh, in defense of the two ladies We've seen it several times um, we, we gotta get We gotta get rid of the name Dewdrop once we do that, I think we can start taking her more seriously and we can start putting her character up at the next level because it's she's proved that she can go. Right. I mean, the, the word when she came out of uh, overseas NXT uh, UK that uh, she was good and this is what we want to see. She can hold her own now that this Eva Marie gimmick is is was a waste and gone. Uh, her and Belair did well. I, I, it was good to see Bianca get in some TV time without having to chase the title with Becky. So I'm curious to see if they're going to go back to Becky Bianca now once this Becky live. I, I don't think Liv wins this title. Uh, would love for her to. Uh, I thought that, you know, we'll talk about it in a second. That that segment with Liv was a little goofy again. I, I just. That was really I like, goofy. I love. Look, I love Liv. She's got a great look. She's good in the ring, but it seems like the more she talks, it just it goes off the rails a little bit for me. It's it's something is like it's it's kind of being forced. It's so it sort yeah, of feels like yeah. it's being manufactured. So, it doesn't feel like right. natural. Um no. yeah, even the whole we'll talk a little bit about Liv as we're talking. Even the whole angle, like her showing up to okay, first of all, in two seconds you could have looked at that girl and been like, that's not Becky. That girl was so pasty white. She didn't have a tan. Like, Becky's got a tan. <laughs> like, she was, she looked like Seamus, girl. Like, Seamus, girl was there, you know? And, and Liv's just kind of standing there. It, it's like a cinematic thing where she's just kind of standing there waiting for her. I, I don't like, okay, it was bad. And let me, let me say that. Like, I didn't like it, but I do give them credit for trying some different things like that. It just sure that, absolutely. like I don't I'm not gonna be like oh my god like don't don't ever do something like that I'll just say oh you know what they tried something I didn't like the way that that came off or the way it looked but I I do like the idea of somebody ambushing someone at the performance center you know like yes. that's yes. kind of a cool like hey you're pissed off at someone you go get them in the, when they're training or we we would hear that would be something you'd hear in real life in a fight sure. somebody was pissed off and there was a scuffle in the training room or you know. So I like it. It just the execution was poor. It was kind of you just remember, remember, cartoony. you know, this this all goes back, if I'm not mistaken. Everybody wants Liv to be pushed. Ruby Ruby is released. Um, Liv kind of is floating around. She gets the shot on SmackDown here or there. She's she's sent to Raw. She loses a match or two. Becky's doing a promo backstage, and I believe that night Liv is lost. And Liv uh, and Becky turns around and there's Liv just standing there. 
So it's kind of like, okay. And then we got the family, you know, she, we've seen the documentary, which again, last week I promoted, it was really, really good. I just think I'm with you. I, I it's felt kind of off this buildup and I have no problem with this match and the storyline going, you know, continuing. It's just, I, I think it could have been better and it would have made the match better. You know, that's very much me. agree. That, that's just me. Yep. Very much agree. Yeah, do you agree that that Becky keeps this title next Saturday? Yeah, yeah, she live okay. like it, it, it's good. Same thing for Tony. Like it's good for them to be in. It, it's a step, right? You have to pr- first prove that you can belong in this place, right? That you're not going to get um, embarrassed in the ring, or that you know you're not going to freeze when you're out there. And that's like the first step. Okay, this is the biggest moment that Liv's ever been in, or Tony's ever been in on national TV. Right. Like this, getting these kind of opportunities. They prove it in their big matches against their opponents. And then you are in the picture now moving forward. Now you are, you've elevated yourself. So I think as long as both of these women have good performances in their matches, they will have absolutely elevated themselves in the, in like the, the grand scheme of things. And so I think it'll be good for both of them, even in defeat uh, for Tony and for Liv as a, uh, Finn Balor gets a win, which I think this did a couple things, you know, Finn's been losing. And so it was good just to see him get a win here. And it, and it continues along this Austin theory storyline as, um, theory. These two guys are two guys. I think are real dark horses for, for major Royal rumble runs because theory, I could see being like number 30, right. You know, and like Vince being a, or, or the opposite, you know, him, Vince telling him he's going to be number 30 and then being like, God damn it. I'm going to put you in at number one. You're going to have to earn it. Yes. Son of a bitch. You know, I like to fire people during the holiday. (laughs) I mean, he is batshit. Some of the things that he says and he's doing on there. It's like, what is going on? But he always makes me laugh when he's on there. Um, Finn gets the win. Austin was upset, disappointed because he didn't get the win, so he does attack Finn afterwards, and then Vince said that next week they're going to have a match, Finn-Austin, so um, I mean, these two guys are both good-looking guys go in the ring. Um, I I just don't... We, this is the trope that we get caught up into. I don't want this to to go three or four weeks in a row where every week we're getting another Finn-Austin theory. Yeah, we don't need to see them... After Monday, we don't need to see them again on day one on a pre-show or anything like that. You know, we we, we don't. You know, it's Monday night. You get the match. I, I think this needs to be the blow-off here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's continue on. What do we get next? We got uh, Miz and Maurice. Um, Miz. Okay, so this was uh, Miz TV. As Miz is hosting almost an AJ. And... So this kind of came pretty quickly, almost, um, and AJ were talking about how they're going to, you know, get back on the same page. They want to win all the titles. And then by the end of this feud or by the end of, uh, this match, we got the Mysterios versus AJ and Omos. You kind of have Miz doing his thing where he's needling AJ and trying to get, uh, Omos to turn on him. And then you've, uh, you got the Mysterios actually end up picking up the win. And then post-match, Omos and AJ get into it. AJ says he never should have helped Omos. He's a piece of trash. And then Omos goes crazy on AJ. And 
uh, we're going to get these guys going at it on Monday coming up. On Monday. Yeah, it's, it's a little interesting. And then we get AJ on NXT, right? So, I, hmm, I don't have a problem with that. It's just, it, it's a little, it's a lot to keep up with. And I enjoyed AJ on NXT 2.0 with Grayson Waller. And we'll get to that in just a second. But we knew we had to break away from this uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, I didn't know who the faces were. Was it the Mysterios or AJ and Omos? You know, during the little two, three minute match, um, I would assume Omos goes through AJ on Monday night. You know, Grayson Waller makes a comment. Hey, Omos, your your bodyguard's not here with you now to protect you anymore. So it almost seems like to me that AJ uh, is about to put some people over. But we'll see. I love this. We need we need more and more and more AJ. Um, Yes. Yes. This is a good little short match like Randy versus Chad Gable. I I think this. It's like four minutes, but you yep. get Gable in the ring. Orton's supposed to beat him. Like, these are the kind of matches that you would have used to get on, like, WWF superstars. Yes. You know, where you have, uh, a like, a main event talent against someone from a tag team or something who's still very capable in the ring. This is something that you get on Dynamite or AW, actually. You know, but they'd, they'd end up going probably a little bit longer, which it's a different way of doing it, but... I, for for like a four minute match, this is fine. These guys are good. Like Gable's a total pro, and uh, Orton Orton picks up the win there. As Otis Orton, you know the Alpha Academy stuff. They've got a a, a little beef going on here, and we get our boy Riddle uh, smoking some blunts down on NXT. We'll talk about in, uh, uh, in uh, yeah, we're gonna talk MSK. about I, I like I like the way Orton tried. Didn't he try to RKO Otis a couple of times and. He, he couldn't get it done. I, I like that. I think this could be a sneaky, good little tag story, couple of matches. I wouldn't mind seeing the Alpha Academy getting some good matches here with RK Bro. I really wouldn't because, you know, Gable has just been picked on so much that he can go. He's just small. And then Otis has just been everywhere. Um, but I think this could be sneaky good here. And I think we're getting Orton and Otis on Monday night, too. It, yeah, it's just are. a little bit. It's yeah. different, right? It's just a little bit yes. different. It's not the same thing over and over again. And um, they they feel a little bit fresh in this feud with the uh, with RK Bro. So we get to the championship contender match. See, I hate these now. I don't. <laughs> they don't make any sense to me. They don't make this any one sense. Didn't. Why, this why one not didn't. have Dolph Ziggler versus any? Uh, Finn Balor. I don't care. Anybody that you want for a, a number one contender match. Just have that be the match. Like, have Dolph versus somebody else. Why do you Why do you think after watching a match against of Dolph and Priest, where Dolph wins by DQ, that I'm, like, dying to see this match again right back? It just doesn't make sense to me, the, the way that you set no, it up. Nothing I don't get screamed it. a rematch here, and I'm a dirty dog fan. You know me. I love some Dolph Ziggler. He, he's my top. That's my guy. Uh, like Priest, but this it didn't do much for me, and I and I hate to say that, but it didn't. And now you know maybe they're saving it for for Monday night, but I, I think it may have been a countout too. I, I just that was nine ten minutes of now we got it, it. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to make me watch Monday night for this match, right? Not Pretty at weird. all. Not at all. As uh, yeah, n- nothing special there. We. That was when we got back uh, from the break, and we got the the Vince Finn Balor or Vince, <laughs> uh, Austin Theory stuff. As uh, 
They will have a match uh, next week And then we got the cutting edge This was this was weird too And this was weird It didn't like I've enjoyed the Miz and and Edge uh, segments so far I thought they've been up up until this week I thought they've all been pretty good There was something just off about all of this Um, Maurice when she came out The way that she was kind of acting She was trying to act like she was you know pissed off at Miz But it, it just wasn't coming across She wasn't in her accent Talking in her accent as much right. And Edge could kind of sense So there sense that she was always Playing him So there wasn't the big moment that we expected Like the big reveal Edge even said hey Miz where are you come out And, and then Miz right. comes out you know? And, and he uh, still gets laid out I, At the end Marie ends up slapping him I, I just thought this was it wasn't very well done. It wasn't very well it executed. Wasn't. Something was off. Like the timing was off. The they missed some lines or I, just it just wasn't as good as it should have been. No. Um, and maybe this would have been the time to have Beth save it, but it was just off. Um, maybe it was off too because we had a Miz TV earlier in the night, uh, and I know that's kind of been his mo. He. he he gets involved in storylines that he's not in, and he and he tries to break that team up or the continuity up a little bit. But you know, last we heard, she was pissed off at Miz, and it was just hard to buy. And I mean, Edge of all people knew what was coming and still couldn't stop it. So it was it was it was, it was disappointing because I I I like Maurice. She just the execution there was was not good at all. Not no. at all. No, not good. But and... guess what, Gino? Veer Mahan is coming to Oh my gosh, he's still on the way He's, <laughs> he's still on the way He's on the way, way Chad Cooper He should be here soon <laughs> Coming soon to a theater near Veer Mahan um, I thought it was funny when uh, Zelina came out And she's, you know She's like, how are you booing me? I'm from here, you know And then she yeah. says she like gets out of the accent for a minute to I, actually that made me laugh. The like yes. catching herself and then like, oh, I'm sorry, royal subjects. It is your queen again. <laughs> that that popped me. That did pop me. Um and uh we got Rhea picking up a win, which yeah. Rhea, it's good to see Rhea, you know, getting a strong victory. And it's good to see and it's it's kind of uh interesting because Zelina has not been losing very often as of late. So no. Um, Rhea, maybe something they'll uh, they'll be trying to do with Rhea moving forward. As um, even if they don't like a Rhea Bianca, just a good one on one match would be an awesome match for yeah. like the next woman to 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 battle for the title. Um, so because they weren't they the final two in the Rumble last year? I believe they, so. The, yes, the Women's Rumble that would be pretty cool. Yeah, as um, Biggie and Bobby kind of backstage cutting that promo talking about how. <laughs> Biggie says, "Don't you dare say that dirty, dirty c word." <laughs> Which is definitely made me laugh. And he goes, "Can me and Bobby coexist?" <laughs> I love that Biggie is like the voice of the the fans of like the stupid stuff that they do. At least they're making fun of it, right? Yes, absolutely. And not having to go with it. Mm-hmm. That was great. That it, it made me pop. It popped me there, and um, we that was when we got Liv and Becky, and Liv showed us what happened uh, when she went and and came from behind on the wrong Becky. 
And <laughs> she said she brought the uh, the kendo stick out there for Becky. I did sort of like that, where she said, hey, look, this isn't for me. This is for you, Becky. And yes. Becky said, well, you, don't you try to embarrass me. I wanna, I wanna. Becky was kind of getting in this very, like, holier-than-thou heel, like, I'm I'm above you kind of talking down to you, which I, I thought right. worked well. But, yeah, the, the, the attacking her from behind at the thing just didn't didn't come off as well as it, it could have. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. We we good luck to live. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm glad that, I hope she goes 10, 15, but I, I just can't imagine her getting the uh, the victory here. No. And then we no. got that. What, uh, what, is more, what is more believable, her beating Becky or Tony beating that's Charlotte? A good, Neither. That's a good question. Like, what are we setting the line at? You know, like which <laughs> right. one? One. Because what what you want is a believable title match with anyone, right? But the men's side on Raw, I, I I mean, you could say right now, and I would lay some money down on Bobby Lashley walking out of day one shot. as champion. It's not the favorite, just the way that they're right? coming and into could, the match. You could do the same with Brock Lesnar just because it's Brock Lesnar. On the two women's side, I don't think I could put money on Tony Storm or Liv Morgan. No, um, no. <clears throat> so uh, it's no, I, I'm with you. I think it's it's one of those things that is difficult to see them winning. We just have to make sure they're not treated. We, they can't be squashed or anything like that in these with these opportunities. They've got to right. be in 10, 15 minute matches where they just lose to one of the all time greats that they're facing in a Becky and in a Charlotte. But I mean, I would lean Liv of the two of them just because Liv feels like she's gotten more of a build. Yeah, than, it's been better built. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, if I had to pick between one of the two of them, I think I'd say Liv. And okay. uh, and then we got that uh, tag match that we mentioned to uh, to go off the air with Lashley Solid. and Big E winning. Yeah, it was, it was very good. As we shift on over to NXT 2.0, a lot about Grayson Waller here and uh, – Kind of I be thought it. it was a hot show, man. I, I did too. This was the best NXT show probably um, since the rebranding. Uh, I, I don't count the first show as the rebrand really um, because it was like people were scratching their heads or whatever. I really thought they did a fantastic job. The only thing I would have done different, I probably would have started the show with Raquel and Dakota just brawling everywhere instead of having the Tommaso Braun. That's really my nitpick thing, but I thought it was a hot show, man. I agree. And Chomp, yeah, Champa Braun, right off the bat, as uh, Braun said, he's going to see Champa in two weeks, and we will uh, we will see these two guys at New Year's Evil. The street fight was was good, man. These two gals yeah. are excellent. And then right afterward, Raquel wins, and then she calls out Mandy. She said she wants a title match against Mandy, who she pops up on the big screen. From a swimming pool. Woo-wee. She was posting those pictures on Instagram too. She says she's in the holiday spirit. It's going to be a triple threat at New Year's Evil. She's going to kill two ugly birds with one stone. <laughs> that was a good line. I like that, that was a good line. And then uh, behind them was the the tag team of Gigi Dolan and JC Jane do attack as uh, Jane and Dolan were able to stand tall and and uh, they head to the back. I th- I like this angle. So we got that set up. I loved I it. Um, Tony D gave a, cut a little promo as uh, he talked about the match with Pete Dunne that was going to be in the main event later on tonight. The Brian Kendrick thing I loved. I loved, loved. Brian loved Kendrick. 
He pretends like he's got a neck brace on And he says Harlan You know I'm, I'm hurting And WWE and Joe they want me to apologize Thank you for the apology and Joe Gacy Apologized and And then Kendrick says But you know what I just went and resigned And he rips off the neck brace He says you can apologize in the ring to me next week In a match Love it love it this is a great use of a veteran. Yes. Go have him put on a good match with Harlan, help him get this guy over. Great. Great. Love it. Makes you care a little bit more about Harlan by putting Brian Kendrick in a match with him. Thought it was a yes. very good use of uh, of these two guys. We got the grizzled young veterans. They were just kind of watching a uh, uh, video, so it looks like Creed Brothers, grizzled young veterans. Did did we we saw that video where these dudes were lifting the deadlift, deadlifting and then doing like <laughs> Like, even the even the grizzled young veterans said the same thing we did. This is cringy. We don't care what they're doing on on TikTok or whatever was, they said. It's so funny as uh, the presentation of the grizzled young veterans and uh, and the Creed brothers are just teams that are like a little different. They're a little unique. They've got these yes. uh, which I I kind of like. Um, Indy and Persia they continue on. Um, Indy isn't happy about what's been going on with Grayson and what he did with Gargano and then AJ Styles coming to yep. NXT because Grayson called him out. So um we'll see AJ in a minute, but we did get the tag match with the uh with the Grizzled Young Veterans and the Creed Brothers and then it it kind of just turns into an all-out brawl with all these tag teams. We got Jacket Time who are out there and then they get involved and then you get uh, Brooke, uh Briggs and Jensen, they get involved. Have, did they announce a match? We're getting a four-way. We got to be right. They didn't. This this seemed. This was my kind of downer point a little bit. This seemed a little AEW-ish to me, where they try to get so many people involved Very so they degree. can get them into a match. Uh, don't have a problem with it, but it just seemed like a lot, and nothing was announced yet, especially for next week, because um, next week we have the contract signing with Carmelo and Roderick Strong. You have. Loomis and Grayson, and then you have Toxic Attraction, GG, uh, and JC against uh, Raquel and Cora in a nine. But that will probably build up to uh, the Jan- the New Year's Evil January fourth. But nothing was announced. But I would not be surprised if some type of gauntlet match will be on next Tuesday's NXT for this. Maybe to be the number one contenders. I don't know. Feels like it. Feels like these are the teams, and I yeah. agree with you. It was just a lot. Going a lot. On. It's just a little like a little too much all all at once as um trick oh gosh, Zoe Stark, get her off my TV. Oh man, this was it's, bad. She's like, still doing it. Yo, you love me, don't you? you love me. Like, We're friends. See, I told you no, just stop. Get her in the ring. Zoe's fine. I just yes. when she's trying to play this like buddy buddy character, it just comes off so actory. Like you're you're acting. This isn't who bad. you are. Um Dexter Loomis gets the win over Trick Williams And Loomis uh, afterwards You know gets the stand tall Then Waller drops him from behind And uh, and then here comes AJ Styles AJ and Waller have a little face off here As uh, AJ kind of calls him out And says that you you know you're kind of Following in my footsteps You look a lot like me You're doing things that look a lot like me And um a, a Waller's kind of calling out Omos And I mean it was, it was a good Use I, I wonder if you're if we're going to get Something from these two guys down the line it, it was you know A nice way to get AJ on AJ is someone who 
hadn't been in NXT. And I think Tuesday, it it doesn't look like it helped a whole lot because the numbers aren't great. But Tuesday, there were two football games on. They um, were better. They were better. So there, and so I think AJ better. does definitely help. You know, him him like announcing him and him showing up sure does help them a little bit. I wouldn't mind seeing those two on day one. I would keep Omos I agree. and AJ. I would be cool. That would be really I'd cool. I'd keep Omos and OJ. Let them have their moment in the Royal Rumble where Omos maybe gets rid of AJ or vice versa you, or something like you, that. You, you, you were talking about Simpson right there. You you said Omos and AJ, and then you went to OJ. Oh, OJ. <laughs> <laughs> what, Driving the white Bronco. <laughs> yeah, and uh, – and, uh, what was that uh callus he, he was he was driving the the, the getaway <laughs> he was. Dude, that yeah, was it's too much eggnog that was great that it's was really funny that was OJ. funny <laughs> i will say waller's got something yeah he you know does. i like the line where he said hey look it took you 14 years to become uh uh an, a wwe superstar and look what I just look what I've done in two weeks. I've ran, you know, he's talking about beating Gargano and just jumping these people and running them off. I thought it was a very good line, a very good line. This show was built around Grayson Waller, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. It was a lot of Waller, and you know, he's still rough around the edges in some spots, but you can he is. He is. you could see why. It's not a finished product. He kind of reminds me of like early Shawn Michaels. You know, we're in like the character that. where you're kind of just seeing like the glimpses of of some good stuff here, as uh, AJ and Waller have a little something going on. Then we got the vignettes with MSK and with Riddle. Uh, what this did got silly? Think this got real it was silly. just too much, right? Yeah, like Riddle that, now being now the a dream, right? That was cool, right? Like him being the guy. That I'm just fine with that. Him even like helping teach them a little bit, but. We're just getting a little too wonky here. Yeah, it, it was a dream, and then all of a sudden he appears, and we're off on our scooters, and they they there's the hat. Oh, we're dreaming, bro. MSK needs to get back. In, unless one of them are hurt, um, but those guys need to get back into the ring ASAP, or they will probably, unfortunately, maybe the next ones on the cutting block because this has just been. This is too much for me right now. This is uh, and this is just too much for 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 Riddle for me. I, I don't mind him coming over and helping them, but after that segment, we don't need to see any more of that. It's just a little too goofy. I mean, I'd rather have the three of them sit there and just freaking pass a blunt around and have yes. smoke coming out. Yes. Like that would yes. be that would be goofier, but Expected. it's just yeah, it's I don't know. It, it it's just not connecting the way they want it to. We got a, a an upset, Edris and Ofe pins yes. on Wagner, and I think this is sort of leading to something with Wagner and with Robbie Stone because Robert Love Stone, some Robbie Stone, I, I do too. Put him maybe with Wagner, and you know, a, a little combination there. Um, that that could be very interesting. We got a little more with Legado del Fantasma, um, and uh, and then Electra, and it was uh, Zion Quinn who comes out with the with the mistletoe. Holding it over, <laughs> tried to get a little, tried to get a little smooch on there. Um, EO gets the win from behind, but this was much more about telling the story between Electra and Zion and everything yeah. happening with Legado del Fantasma. You're right, there was a lot going on on this show. There was, was. a lot happening on the show. Yeah, it was good stuff. And then the uh, the main event match, 
Tony D. Tony D, baby. Versus Pete Dunn. And I saw some people that were kind of mad that Tony lost this match. Where You know what? I'm okay with him losing here. I'm okay with it because it was a strong match. And and, and, and look what he did after the match. He won he up looked, done. He looked tough after the match. This was what you're supposed to do as a heel. Yeah. You have a tough match. You lose clean. But then after you get your heat back. And then I th- there will be another match where he gets the better of Pete. In, yes. in a no DQ setting or in some sort of setting where he cheats or does something cheap, you know. And Pete has always been a top of the card guy. Pete Dunn hasn't lost a lot of matches in his no. time in NXT through the years. No. He does not lose very often. So this this was fine for me. This was another one. What this did for Tony, I think, what we're hoping the matches for Liv and for Tony Storm will do. They just sort of show that they belong. Tony D belongs towards the top of this you know, picture in NXT now. He's one of the guys. And uh, this was a good night for him. This was a very good night for Tony D, even though Pete Dunn gets the win. And one thing we did not mention, they are going to be unifying, it looks like, the yes. title and the North American title. We're going to get a Roderick Strong-Carmelo Hayes match where these titles are going to be uh, combined into one. What do you? What is your prediction for, uh, for that? Well, um... I, I, I'm for it. I, I'm not a guy. I don't like a lot of belts in one promotion. I just don't. I, I think it's silly. Um, if you have this open weight, this cruiser weight, yeah, North American heavyweight, um, as long as as long as it's not a silly name, I'm sure we'll get a new belt. Um, I, I don't want whoever wins to carry both belts because then it's odd. Then you you know, well, I got to defend this title. But I did, I, I do think it's the smart thing to do. Uh, you know, Wade Barrett, it's so big, I'm going to have to oversee it. Um, unfortunately, I think uh, Carmelo is probably going to win this match. Uh, I do see some dissension between him and Trick. It looks like they're trying to build that. I don't think uh, Trick causes any uh, any problems here in that match. But I do think Carmelo goes over. I, I just, as much as I've liked Diamond Mind, I don't think they've pushed them enough as what they probably should have. And I, I think they're really high on Carmelo, and I think he wins the the new unified title and whatever they're going to call it. Yeah, I think Carmelo gets the win. I think they get away from the North American name, too. I think we get a new name here. I think, yeah, I agree. I think Carmelo should be the guy holding it, though, moving forward. And if you want to move, like, Roddy... He's interesting because Roddy would be a good guy to have on the main roster to just wrestle every week for 10 minutes on TV. Right. You know, like and he, he would, does he, that on, 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 on NXT five live, you know, on two Oh five live every Friday night. That, that yeah. guy is, is going 15, 20 minutes. So like, he would be even just like a Gable type who you could come out and you could have be a really solid hand in the ring all over the place. I wonder if that's maybe a direction they go with him or, or what the, What's going to happen with him? Because his other buddies now are three of four of the uh, undisputed era are over <laughs> in AEW. We we get to AEW for Dynamite, and the show kicked off with Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy. I thought the match was really good. Uh, these two guys had a lot of chemistry together. They're kind of fun. Cole has enough of the comedy in him to where he plays off of Cassidy pretty well. You know, like he'll right. make the faces when Orange Cassidy's doing stupid stuff, or like it, Cole. It. it the two of them together, I think, are, are, are very fun. I, I enjoyed a lot of this match. And then there were, uh, you know, at the end of the match, you get O'Reilly, 
who comes in and uh, he attacks. And so you've got O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole all together here. Young Bucks come down to the ring, and uh, Cole's in the middle of the two tag teams. So got got kind of like a big super group, but they're already teasing a little bit of dissension, and it'll be right. kind of like a which way is Adam Cole going to go? We might as well just bring in Mike Bennett, uh, Marina. Right. You know. Bring them all. Bring them all. Get them all, all in. So what, there's one question that I, I – I, and I honestly don't know the answer. I'm kind of curious where you stand on this. So AEW and WWE do things completely different about when they bring in their talent. WWE right. never mentions where you're from, what you've done. Hell, we are talking about uh, Veer. It, it was like in a movie. There's like a like a huge story about this guy. He was a million dollar arm. The guy who had like this great story about him, and they don't talk about it at all. It's bizarre. <laughs> they they don't ever really mention a lot of your history in wrestling. Then on the other side, AEW, they almost expect you to just know everything. I don't right. know. I don't know if either way does it the right way. <laughs> you know, do, shouldn't shouldn't AEW be at least saying Oh, hey, this is Kyle. Like, give us a little bit of who this is for some of the people that don't know. I know they just assume that most people that are watching know who he is, know what's going on. But I think sometimes they're so worried about making their hardcore fans happy. They forget that, like, what if a random person's watching the TV and they don't know who Kyle O'Reilly is there? And they don't know what is supposed to be going on here. We need a little – you need to create – a little bit more in this world. I mean, think about like everybody comes over and immediately you're building off of their WWE history. You know, Adam Page or Page is taking shots at the B plus player, which I, I laughed at. That made me chuckle actually. But those are things that we know because we we follow a, a, a lot a lot of this. AEW is just kind of assuming that everyone that follows them follows everything. New Japan, Ring of Honor, you know, they they figured that if you're an AEW fan, you're going to get really excited when someone comes in from New Japan or that, you know, every single thing happening in the world of wrestling, you're going to know who these people are. I think they got to do a little bit better job if they want to continue to grow to explain. Give See, us the some UFC, video, the UFC right? does that too, right? As good as the UFC is, um they they would never and they uh, they still don't. I don't watch it as much. But they would sign these 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 fighters from Bellator and who would come over 25 and 0 from Bellator and wouldn't even show a highlight and wouldn't even mention Bellator MMA. This guy has been a champion in Bellator. They just refuse to do it. Even as a writer, when you're writing a, a news story, you gotta assume who you're writing to and you're telling the story to has no idea what you're talking about. You have to, and I'm not, don't take this the wrong way. You have to kind of dumb it down for people, right? So it's easier for them to follow. It's not a dumbing, it's just, it's a general audience thing, right? right? Right. I I think they think that they're, honestly, and I'm not trying to be, uh, again, taking another shot at AEW. I think that they think that their fans are so much smarter than everybody else's fans that they are to assume it and they don't know it. And and, Uh, they already know it. And here's the thing. Even if they're right, and and let's say that their hardcore fan base is a smarter wrestling fan base because they they understand like they know everything going on in the wrestling bubble, is that going to grow your company? 
we we've seen that it's not. It's kind of doing the opposite. Like they're the people that love AEW still love AEW quite a bit, but we would have assumed that with the uh, Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, these guys all coming in, you would have seen a little bit more growth from them. Um, and and it, uh, for whatever reason, it, it it hasn't. It's still a good product. It's a very good product, but it hasn't quite built on all that buzz that they had a few months ago. September, October, everybody was talking about AEW. Uh, uh, well, the new guys showing until up. Until then, until right? then, everyone that watches Raw and SmackDown, uh, number one, they don't even watch NXT 2.0, which is the same company. But those people, not all of them are watching AEW because you can just tell by the numbers. So, yeah, I just I think that they think everyone is too smart. And I, sometimes I would have told someone sim- a story. Yeah. Simple is no. easier. Just give us a little bit more. And I'm sure in the coming weeks they will more. But well, next week we get it. We, we get it. You know, we get a six man or a six. Yeah, six man. You get Cole, O'Reilly and Fish. Versus Orange Cassidy and the best friends. We're, the best we're friends. getting that. Which will be a good. Tonight. It'll be a good match. Sure. Good match for sure, as we would imagine with those guys. Um, but I want to know a little bit more of AEW. You need to tell some of these stories now. You can't just assume everybody knows the story that all of these people have told in other places. Like that's great for the hardcore wrestling fans, but you don't. It's it's a problem that you know, like I'm I love the Marvel movies and the Avengers and stuff like that. But what ends up happening in a lot of these movies now because they've built this world is like if I try to have my girlfriend or someone watch one of these movies with me and they don't know what's going on, they're very lost. You know, they don't know a lot of the characters from their prior movies and their prior stories. So then you you know, Marvel will do a really good job of Creating an origin story They'll have a separate movie just to tell you Everything about this character or a separate show To tell you everything about these characters So that way when they show up you know about them We we aren't getting Enough of that with AEW They're doing a little bit too much assuming That we all already know these stories And while you and I and Most of the people listening to this show Probably do it's the ones That aren't that need to be told That you know the people that just Flip through the channels on Wednesday night and are like, oh, there's no basketball game on here. Oh, what's it? There's wrestling. Oh, this is kind of cool. You know that those are the people you need to hook. Those are the ones you're trying to get. So if they don't understand what's happening when you've got wrestlers coming over and they don't understand the backstory from WWE or NXT or Ring of Honor, and then you have factions that are some weeks a faction, the next week they're not a faction. The they're too many people kind of convoluting. I think there's sometimes where they feel like they're doing so much. To keep their fans invested That just hey, slow down a little bit Take two steps back Give everything a little bit more exposition And it'll build better That's uh, that's one of my little rants Here as uh, we go Speaking, uh, speaking <laughs> of stories What are you what As we go into Hangman Page Brian Danielson uh, We're a week away or a week out From the, the big match The big promo uh, We get the return on January 5th, the rematch. What do you think about the stipulation here? Um, what could spot on? They could have done so, something better. I what like do you think? set the story. So we're gonna have this be um, a 60 minute match. If it goes to 60 minutes, there are going to be judges there that are going to make the decision. So I like I like the idea if it doesn't go to the judges. So right. let me like as long as, the as, judges. as long as the judges don't make a decision, I think it's kind of cool to they'll have Ric Flair 
and who knows steamboat or something you know what i mean like they're gonna bring three people who have been in these like long iron man matches before these these 60 minute matches they'll have them come out they'll smile they'll wave they'll get to bring a few people out if this this thing should should end at 58 minutes like like we were like we were saying last time it should be right before the hour and daniel bryan thinks he's got it one and then hangman page gets him and that that's what it should be and if it is that then i'm fine with it if they I'm go scared it's not <laughs> if they go to the judges this will be absolutely awful i don't care what the result what happens after the judges i don't care if they say page wins brian wins the judges they end up giving them extra time he has to win this before it goes to the judges this is this this guy has not defended his title yet against anyone right he has to have a title defense where he wins a match and he has to win a match in a in a wrestling way this isn't something that happens in wrestling you go it's not a babyface thing going to the judges and having the judges pick the babyface that's a heel thing where it's like oh it was a tie and the judges Picked and Dan, Brian Danielson's the winner, and then Adam Cole compl- or Adam Page complains about it, and he has to come, kind of come. This, this isn't set up well for him. So I agree. If and so if he it, doesn't win this, I think this could be disastrous in my yeah, opinion. It's bothersome. Yeah. This, this and is... and and because it, it just yeah, I don't I don't like the judging thing. If they're gonna actually judge, if they're just gonna come out on their little, you know. I, I want these judges to come out like on the little WrestleMania mini rings that they would run. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Andre would stand in and they come out to the ring. Was that? Yeah. Uh, it, I think that was a Pontiaga. Silverdome, right? Pontiaga, Michigan. That was great. <laughs> I just want to see them waving, doing the little wave and their little mini yeah. rings coming out. That's what that's what we should see from them. Not not an actual judges having to, to make a decision. That that would Jeez. that would really rub me the this wrong way. Scary. Yeah, yeah, this is scary. This is. I, Gets me nervous. Yeah. Me nervous. We did get the. Uh, they're they're telling a story with Wardlow. We're eventually sure. gonna. The crowd is starting to get more and more behind him. They love the the power bombs. They love counting them out. And we're gonna soon get Wardlow MJF. I'd imagine. Um, right. And, which, um, we'll we'll get there. Dan Lambert shows back up. <laughs> he cuts his promo. He, uh, you know, annoying Dan Lambert. Saying his Dan Lambert stuff, he's mad that Cody gets the 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 shot, and uh, he wants to, you know, kind of battle for his two men, hoping they get the next title shot against whoever leaves the ti- uh, leaves with the title. So uh, Dan popped back in for a moment, and uh, it was Britt Baker at her Christmas party. She she got a little <laughs> savage here, and uh, she went in deep on Riho, and she said she built their own kingdom and built the division from the ground up. So we checked in with Britt for a moment, and then I thought the uh, the Owen Hart stuff came off pretty good. The footage and stuff, yeah. you know, you could tell they're yeah. they're they take this very seriously. All of them really love Owen, and he was a big deal to them. And so, you know, there's a lot of wonky stuff that's happened between Owen and the Hart family in the WWE. And I I don't know. I don't think any of us know what was went on behind closed doors. All I know is that it's good to see Owen getting respect. In the in the wrestling world, so I like this, and and you know what, there are some things that I think with AEW and with Tony Khan and 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 WWE does this too, right? With their make with their bullying stuff and their and and some of the things that they promote. Some things I'm like, oh, AEW is just doing that 
to to get right. you know that this this feels pretty genuine. It does. Sure. Like it feels like they're they're putting a lot into this. They want to make sure that Owen's family and and his ex uh, and his wife were were really pleased with the way everything's done. So shout out to uh, to AW for doing this in the uh, the Owen Hart. I believe they said there's going to be like the final at Double or Nothing last uh, next year. So yeah, yeah, it leads up to that. It'll end up leading for a while. That's kind of one of my only issues. Is you know like Ruby and Nyla fought next. How long oh, has boy. this tournament been going on for? This women's and TBS was, title tournament. It's been like five months. I mean, this thing has been going yeah, on forever. And this was brutal to watch. Ruby just, she hasn't been, this hasn't been as good as a signing as, as what they want, as what they hoped. She can't get out of her freaking jacket to save her life. It, oh, it's not awesome. Yeah. It was just embarrassing. And he was making fun of her even afterwards. Brandy Rhodes was like, "Yeah, the jacket wants to win the TBS title." And yeah, I mean, it's it's it, everyone's taking shots. And now you know she's in the finals, right? And she's going to face either uh, Jade, Jade Thunder, Cargill right? or Thunder Rosa, who are in the other semifinal next Wednesday night. And I, I just, I'm with you. Jade Cargill has to win this tournament. She has to win this championship, right? I'm getting a little nervous now. Me because too. I, I Me too. Read and kind of looked into some things that have said, Tony, when you hear Tony Khan talk about Ruby, it almost feels like he made this title for her. Right. And I, she, this, uh, which we thought that they made this title for Jade. Right. You know? Uh, I, I don't see Thunder winning it because Thunder either. is about to start another program with, with, with Brett, Brett, I do believe. Um, That's why it's got to be like hater or someone's got to attack Thunder to set but, that up. Well, right? I guess it could be. I guess that's how you could do the finals. Thunder goes over Jade, and in the finals, it's Thunder and Ruby, and hey, I, you know and and they don't want Thunder give to, it win. to Ruby. Yes, so they, they don't want on. Thunder to win. Yeah, not a fan of that, but not a fan of that whatsoever. Uh, the last couple. To get into here, uh, Malachi Black versus Griff Garrison. So, I mean, Black gets the squash. Um, Everyone, I, including me, Gino, thought we were getting Brody King to join Malachi here. Black here. Yeah. I, I, you know, we, we've been heard. He's been signed to AEW. This was it. Um, you know, everybody kind of dropped the, the Bray Wyatt notion. Maybe he comes later with the Dark Order, blah, blah, blah. But I think everyone in their... Everyone thought that Brody King was coming out in this spot, and we, we did not get it. Not that everyone knows who Brody King is, but if you're an AEW hardcore, you know who Brody King is. He's a big indie guy, especially on the Cali scene, real popular. Him and Malachi Black have history, but he did not come out. I, I just, again, it just doesn't make Malachi Black. I think he's cold as ice right now again. Yeah, they're going to try to maybe build a, a stable for him, but he... Just does not feel the buzzworthy guy like he was a few months back uh, at all. And then we got the main event, MJF and FTR versus Punk, Sting, and Darby. This was a lot of fun. Um, they got to be careful, though, with, with some of their spots. You know, they get, like, this was a blast when Punk came out with the face paint and they've all got the different <laughs> face paint on. Like, he's got the old Stinger face paint. That's that's cool. And the crowd was loving it. And they were really leaning into the Greensboro stuff where Sting has, you know, had some great matches through the years. I just, there were a couple spots that I went, like Sting's yeah. got to be careful. 
he he almost he was stepping up to jump off the top rope and he was like oh my he almost slipped like three times and I was like oh my gosh I thought for a minute he wasn't even gonna do it because he was like uh oh should I do this but he did and it was fine <laughs> he did the cross body off the top and it went okay the spot right before that where he sort of arm tossed MJF outside the ring MJF landed on his skull right on the yes. on the concrete like right on the exposed ground. And that was really scary But MJF did pop up afterwards And go talk on commentary a bit We ended up getting Punk, Sting And Darby get the win Because Harwood Actually pushes MJF out of the way And he takes all three finishers In a row, he sacrificed himself For the team And the good guys get the win So this is a fun, like this felt like a house t- like a, um, a house show tag right? That would end the show, get the crowd home happy Very cool to think about like CM Punk and Darby and Sting on a team together But They gotta be careful in some of these matches Because they get a little (laughs) sloppy man They get a little loosey goosey And last week it was Dante Martin This week it could have been MJF One more little split second You know and and somebody's getting hurt So where where I love it and I have a lot of fun Watching and I think Tony gives these guys A lot of freedom guys and gals a lot of freedom They gotta be careful because Nobody wants to see anybody getting hurt on national TV Listen, we don't need no training center. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, no rampage on Friday, Christmas Eve. Instead, it runs. Uh, I do think because we have the twenty-four hour marathon of a Christmas story. I think maybe, but we do have a Christmas night edition of Rampage. Yep. Cody Jungle versus Boy. Sammy. Yep, uh, we get Sammy and Cody for the TNT Championship. Um, which is very interesting. Uh, Sammy made headlines <laughs> on social media this yeah. week yeah. Um, with with uh, Ty Conti. Uh, interesting. You get Statlander, Layla Hirsch, uh, Hook versus Bear Bronson, and Jungle Boy versus Isaiah Cassidy. And then next week we go back to live uh, Dynamite on Wednesday night, New Year's Smash, Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz versus Daniel Garcia 2.0. Uh, we already talked about Cargill and Thunder Rosa in the semifinals of the TBS championship. Uh, Jim Ross returns after his bout with uh, skin cancer. And then the, we get Cole O'Reilly and Fish against Orange, Catch- Orange Cassidy and Best Friends next Wednesday night on uh, Dynamite. Coop a loop, my man. Thank you so much. I know we both yeah, have uh, we both have meetings to get into right afterwards. Do you, do you, if you don't, that's fine. Do you have a game you want to give us or, or uh, yeah, if, went one and one last week. Uh, yep. I, I like. Uh, let's let's go to the military bowl here. Boston College in East Carolina. I think the wrong team is uh, favored here. I'm going to go East Carolina. That game is on. Uh, I believe it's on Monday Monday yep. afternoon from. Annapolis, Maryland. Let's go East Carolina parents, uh, Pirates. Let's take the points there. You guys at plus three? Is that what it was? Yep, that's three, it. That's plus it. the plus three. three. Like them. East Carolina. Let's get a little ECU there for Cooper. baby. Merry Christmas, buddy. I love you, brother. Thank you so much for all the help uh, every year, man. Uh, every every week for the last couple of years, you, you are definitely one of uh, our best friends, and uh, you've done so much for this show. Thank you every single week for all the time and all the effort you put in. I hope you have an awesome Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and yours, Gino. We'll talk next week, buddy. Thank you so much. That is Chad Cooper there. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more on this episode. Loop. Thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate all the help. And thanks to all of you out there. A very, very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Uh, Honestly, I I am only here because of all of you. 
all of you that come and tune into this show and that you know have followed me on social media through the years who probably followed me years back at uh, at TVG and for some of the different things that I've done and uh, I will always always make sure that our content is free that's what's so nice about the relationships we have with all of these sponsors we're able to keep everything free and we just hope that some of you out there can go and support some of those sponsors who have have done that and uh, help uh, keep it, this show free help us uh, you know keep the content down there's po- millions of podcasts millions of shows and anytime you're here for one second I genuinely appreciate it and I will never I promise I'll never let you guys down with the work that we put in some days we're gonna be wrong some days our opinions gonna be off but I'll never ever half-ass it I, I promise I, I respect all of you too much every one of you that clicks on this show every time. I just can't, I wish I could individually thank each one of you, and Merry Christmas, have a great, great weekend with your family, I hope uh, you all get whatever you wanted for Christmas, stay safe, things are getting a little scary back out there again, you know, just have fun, be smart, and I hope you all have the the greatest Christmas, you can follow me along on social media throughout the weekend, because I will have a lot of different stuff, we'll have live streams, we'll have all sorts of visual aids to help you with your handicapping, and uh, we always have those football previews on fourth and inches over at better than dot vegas have a great great christmas happy holidays joey close this thing out